What do you remember about qualifying that day? I can't tell at all. Why not? This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. What is fair play? Special. It's innovation. Different. It would be fun to do experiments like that. Experiments like that. Well, they, see, I, we were not rule breakers. Thinks it's fair to make a rule and follow it. They make rules for everybody. We were rule makers, okay? And perhaps we'll learn some things about fair play. Did you ever have any nitro in your car? As you see this story, we want you to think about questions. Well, I was getting hot rod the cop once to pat me down. I said, get away from me, man. Questions such as... When they said, you can't do that, I said, why not? Do you think that's fair? What about it? What do you think? What is fair play? It's it's not cheating till you get caught. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again at the Bojangle Studio here for the Dale Jr. Download episode 386, If It Ain't Cheating. Mm. Mike, how's it going? It's going good. Yeah. Yeah. So you ready to talk about some tall tales of... of of uh, creativity, innovation, and cheating. I've never been more ready. All right, well, let's get to it. We've had a lot of people come on this podcast over the years, and uh, so we're going to get that uh, get to that down down the road. But first off, Hannah, uh, Matthew, you guys are here. Let's do some dirty air. Dirty air. Dirty air is not great for everyone. This but this is our dirty air. So let's go. Yeah, you know, you set this up. We always say that it's not a, it's not cheating. It's creativity. I feel like that's the coin line for this, for this episode. So uh, we were all tasked with the homework of coming up with our own. You know, what is the time that you maybe played in the gray area a little bit here? And I don't know. I'm. Am I supposed to go first here? Am I supposed to be the ladies first? Ladies first. Should we just do ladies first? Sure. <sighs> Let's go, ladies first. So we had a, a pro truck series where the whole goal was to be cost effective, right? And they didn't want anyone to do custom shocks. And the rule was written, no, like, rebuildable shocks. They had to be non-rebuildable. So we went and had a custom tie-down shock built for the left front and sealed it. So it was non-rebuildable. And we got kicked out. We got kicked out after about four races. And, I mean, it was in the rules, right? Like, it was a non-rebuildable shock. We just had it built and sealed. So it was non-rebuildable. And, uh, yeah, that didn't go over well. Did you argue it? Did you protest? Well, see, here's the other fun part of it. My dad was also on the truck series board. So he just kind of went, <laughs> okay, I'm good. Oh. We got caught. We got caught. So uh, we got uh, we got finishing points that night, and I don't think we got pay. But needless to say, that shock did not come to the racetrack. I think I actually got gifted that left front shock at the banquet that year. Yeah, you should have it hanging up. I think it's somewhere. It's definitely somewhere. All right, Matthew. Dillner, yeah, you got one here? I only cheated once when I was racing. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, seriously. And it, it, I sucked anyway, so it didn't even work. But my favorite cheat would probably be my uh, my dad and uncle's race car, which I have hanging up here. Uh, the tech guys would always give them crap, especially when they first started, and, and that they weren't going to let them go out on the track. I think it was the second week because the, uh, the injector was sticking up out of the hood, and they said there was a rule. It can't be. It's got to be flush. So they're like, you can't run. So my uncle's kind of a wise ass. So he went back and he found as many washers as he could. And he collected as many from the next pit and the next pit over. And he said he stacked washers about this high. <laughs> and he said the hood was sticking up about this high above the rest of the fenders. But 
then he went to go back on the track. They're like, you can't bring this piece of shit on the on the racetrack. He's like, hey, it's by the rules. You said instead it couldn't be sticking out the top. So there you go. I think you, D- Davis, you're gonna Does have that better. count. No, Why? that doesn't Why count. It's lousy. Yeah, I know. Was it lousy? It's not in. Listen. Okay, yeah, I cheated on it. Uh, okay, I'll give you one. School. Does that help work? Well, that's the only place I do my cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Von Hake, uh, eighth grade, he was kind of oblivious. So we all knew what the answers, the, the questions were going to be for the test. So before he got in there, I went on the sideboard and I wrote all the answers down to the test for the whole class. And Mr. Von Hake never saw it, and everybody in the class got 100. Boom. There you go. That was cheating. No, that's cheating. Well, you got to be that's better. That's better, and you're stacking your coins in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike, I'm curious on yours here because. Oh, yeah. Again, I don't Matthew's have. Matthew's first story didn't even involve him in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and this was your he's idea. Like, he's it's like, like, I got it. We're all going to come with our best cheating stories. Got and a little like, homework for you guys. Well, if my best cheating stories, hey, Dale Jr. cheated one time, and I'll tell you about him right now. <laughs> well, hold up here. We were in here earlier talking about what our cheating stories were going to be, and you told me you cheated on a legend car with a Packer in the left front or something like that. Yeah. We, it was illegal. We, yeah, and it was illegal. But I sucked, so it's not like there was it's an advantage. I went from sucking to sucking less. <laughs> he tried to cheat and it didn't work. That's a special brand of cheater. When you cheat and you still suck. <laughs> and you still suck. <laughs> I wonder how many of those are NASCAR. They suck so bad they don't even get teched, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's like they got the most illegal stuff in their car, but they're too, too slow for anybody to care. If you, Dale, if you ever saw me in a lens happens car. Happens every week. I bet ever, it does. If you yes. ever saw me in a lens car, I look like a sausage coming out of its casing on the grill, you know? Yeah. It there's was a lot, not good. There's a lot of guys that cheat and run and don't run well intentionally just so they don't get caught. I'll never forget they confiscated a bunch of bodies of like when they were still doing the steel bodies in K&N and we had the combo race at Iowa and we showed up and they confiscated four guys' bodies like took them and said cut those things off we are taking them now because they were so yawed but it was guys that were like 27th 29th and 35th and they're like we clearly did not do this right correctly anyway so you might as well just let us run it because we sucked and they made him cut it off and he's like yeah, you, I mean, you saw, you cheated, but you just sucked at cheating. Like, you just didn't do it right. They were yawed out. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside, and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Or I, Mike, we still need yours. I, I'm going to get to it, but I'm curious about something real quick. Oh, no. Do you remember the conversation? I don't. I've, I don't even know if I'm supposed to bring this up. Do you remember the conversation when you ran a black number eight at Talladega because all of the DEI cars were all black yeah. as a tribute to your dad? Yes. And I want to know if I remember this story right. Did Tony Jr. not say to you in the motor home before the race, "Hey, do you want to run?" Or I think it was the, the week before. 
and he's like, do you want to win that race? And you're like, yeah. And you're like, no questions asked. You want to win, right? Yep, I want to win. And, no, you know, even if there's something that comes on the back end in terms of penalties or whatever, and you're like, I want to win that damn thing, you know, let's, let's win it. And he's like, all right, well, if you win, back it into the wall on your burnouts yeah. or something like that. Do I remember that right? Yeah. Okay, so there was something <laughs> in that car. Now, we blew the motor before the, uh, we ever got a chance to do burnouts. Uh, I think we, the engine expired at some point. But I just remembered that as – and I didn't know if that was just a fun story and I've, I've embellished it or if it really – Tony Jr. said, hey, back it into the wall if you do burnouts <laughs> to ruin the evidence. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there's that one. I don't know what he did to the car. Do you? No. Probably not, no. right? Yeah, he didn't Something was a spoiler, I imagine. Probably. Yeah, he did that at Darlington too, didn't he? Yeah, you got, got six weeks off. <laughs> uh, so are you going to tell your story? I mean, listen, I, I'm not a race car driver. I don't have good racing cheating stories. I have college three times, got busted every time. Algebra, astrology, and astronomy. Astrology. Yeah. I, I, I have cheating stories in all of them. I'm not proud of them. I, I'm a bad cheater because I did get busted every time. I got busted. The as, astrology course had 500 people in it, and I still got caught cheating. Like, that's hard to do. How do you cheat in astrology? Copy someone's answers. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's pretty simple. And, then, you know, when you turn in, the, turn in the test and all the answers are, you know, butt-necked same, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. In astronomy, uh, that was in astronomy. In astrology, a buddy of mine, we're sitting there trying to, you know, we're sitting in a hallway trying to, you know, do last-minute work that we had not done, and he's given me his work. And I'm sitting there writing the answers down with his piece of paper. And the professor comes and stands right over me, you know, busted just before class even started. I got busted on that. And algebra, I took it so many times that I think that the professors were just glad that I was cheating, just <laughs> trying. Too. I think it was effort. That was you me know. too. Like, God, get him out of here. Me and numbers. Yeah. Those classes that begin with A, like you could, you could bet I wasn't going to get one without some <laughs> help. But if it began with A, I was going to struggle. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Very cool. I had a bunch um, with my late model stock car. Um, we were supposed to have steel interior, and I put a bunch of aluminum interior in mine just to try to save some weight. Ran cheater fuel from time to time. Had a Ram Air. Had the duct work on the front end, the top would hinge up, so when air went through it, it would hinge up, and air would go over the radiator and into the air cleaner oh. so we could run bigger jets and get more fuel. I, uh, we, 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 we soaked tires every once in a while, but you can, they weren't really policing that too much. Um, but it was a lot that I did a lot of stuff to my, to my late mall stock car. I tried to buy nitrous once, but dad caught me on the phone talking to a man. <laughs> if I saw, you know, if I heard a story about cheating, I immediately tried to figure out like, how could I equate that? idea to to my late model stock car how could i and you know it was you just needed a little bit more we were pretty good we'd run top five but we'd usually run second or third or fourth and i wasn't very good at tire management back then so but we worked uh we worked hard at it trying to trying to trying to cheat a little bit without getting caught hey you know mayfield brought up soaking tires in his uh interview last yeah. week and i was wondering I, I i didn't want to bring it up in the moment there but like for people that are listening that don't know exactly what that is what is soaking tires basically you could treat the tire comes at a certain hardness the compound is is hard and uh has a certain you can measure it uh with this tool and the um a softer compound tire uh, will go faster 
now it won't last quite as long because it wears out quicker. But if uh, depending on the, the asphalt or the, the texture and how much you know abrasive the asphalt is, you can soften the tire up quite a bit and still have enough tire life to run well in the race. And so now the Goodyear tires that we run are bricks at some racetracks. So softening that tire up is going to absolutely make you faster. But also uh, it's it's hard enough at, even to that point that you'll you'll not have any tire issue in wear. So um, I absolutely think soft, you know, putting softener, it's a chemical and you roll it on or you take the tire and put it in a pan of that chemical and rotate it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just sits there and rotates and you're just, uh, or you apply it with a roller over and over and over. And then you can wrap the tire in a plastic wrap. So it'll maintain the, the, uh, the chemical and soak into the tire without evaporating. Mm. And, or they have some that you can put inside the tire, right? And um, you put it in through the valve stem, and then you put, you know, you put the tire on a roller and, and have it rotating so that chemical is getting displaced throughout the entire tire, and it works its way from the inside out and softens up the material. But, um, yeah, it, it, uh, it's very common to be used at, you know, short track racing. I mean, some places it's, it's legal. Some racetracks allow it. They don't police it. Hmm. But um, some do. Some have a gauge, and you better read a certain hardness. And uh, if your tire doesn't read that, they throw you out. Hey, you know, this uh, was something that I had been thinking about. You know, a few weeks ago we were talking about ways to make the all-star race better. Why can you not do an all-star race where there were no rules? Like you could just let people be as creative with their cars, soak tires, do whatever it is, like like really go see who could be the best team at making a car go fast without rules. So you idea. don't I know I don't so not a good idea. Dude, I, I helped my friend soak tires once and I'll never do it again. It ate through my brown jersey gloves holes in it. I'm not messing with that stuff. I had no. a funny story where a buddy of mine and I were um soaking tires and we had we were pouring it into a, in, we were pouring it into the valve stem or getting it pouring it into the inside interior of the tire and I had this stuff and um I had a Dixie cup full of water. As we're doing this process, I'm telling, I knew this, I was going to get my buddy. And this was my plan. So as we're doing this process, I'm telling him like, we got to be careful. We can't get none of this on our skin. We got to be careful. Not, you know, this could, this could hurt us real bad if it got us, got you know, made contact with our skin. And, uh, I was just going on and on about that. And finally he, he leaves the room and he comes back and I've got a Dixie cup full of that stuff, but it's actually water. <laughs> and I stumble over a tire and spilled it on his pants, <laughs> and then I started screaming, like you, you gotta get, you gotta get them pants off! Oh my god! And he takes off running out the room, pants down around his ankles, heading to the wash pit to wash his wash his leg off. That's awful. That was so fun. <laughs> I mean, that that's if that ain't happening at your race shop every day, some kind of hooligans or shenanigans like that. Then you're not doing it right. That's that's fun. That's fun. But uh, all right. So forget soaking tires. But I'm saying is that if you did that, if if you just said, hey, this is a no rules race where you just go do things to your car, let it be a a competition between engineers. You're shaking your head. But I'm saying is that if the if the race stinks, then you can appreciate that somebody made their car so fast that nobody could keep up with it. Get out of hand. But it's an all star race. Well, so devil's advocate here, we have a series out west that I raced in 
uh, it was the super late model series, but it was called the big five series. We had five races. It was five big paying races and they essentially had five rules. So you had a tire rule, you had a carburetor rule, you had a shock rule, a weight rule. And I can't remember what the fifth one was, but realistically it honestly came down to ingenuity. Like we all kind of were in the same ballpark. It was a quarter mile racetrack. So it's not like you were being overpowered. Honestly, you kind of wanted to have the crate motor because otherwise you'd wear your stuff out and people showed up with wings like i'm talking thank you plexiglass wings yes. off the side of these super late models and it just became a spectacle like you yes. were and it was short track racing so it's not like we were doing super speedway you know right. shenanigans but it was like who could outsmart the other person on an engineer level on a quarter mile and it would get frustrating because some guy would show up with a wedge body and you're like that's what it is. He's beating me because it's a wedge body. So then we'd put a wedge body on yeah. and we'd still run fifth. You wouldn't do it at Daytona. <laughs> right. You wouldn't do it at Talladega. It but you could really do it fun. at Wilkesboro. You could do it at one of these short tracks where, I got you. yeah, let's see who comes. It's almost like, you know, let's make an all-star race where it's almost like a soapbox derby. When you know that one person that shows up with a block of wood, but then all of a sudden it's flying. It's fast. And yeah. it's flying. It's like, whoa, what do they got in that thing? Right? I'm I mean. Game. It passes tech, but there's no rules. You're not going to go look, uh, you know, in places that you would for a points-paying race. There you go. I just fixed your all-star race problem, NASCAR. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Allies, going to bring us our guest segment this week, and uh, we're going to hear some great stories from a lot of the guests we've had here on the show in the past about innovation, cheating, and just being creative, uh, skirting around the rule book, and... um, Thank you, Ally, for all you do for us here at the Dale Jr. Download. It's great to have allies in your corner, uh, whether professionally or personally, and we've got some allies that are going to tell you some great stories. Look, this isn't your ordinary best of episode. We've got a lot of new things in this episode. You've got to ask Junior coming up. So listen, we've got some incredible cheating stories that are coming up. So let's just get into it right now. Well, see, I, we were not rule breakers. We were rule makers. NASCAR Hall of Fame driver Daryl Waltrip from episode 325 of the Dale Jr. Download. Were you still uh, concerned about whether your car was legal or not at that time, or were you had mm. you come to uh, come mm. to grips with it? That wasn't my car. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a fine. Junior's car. You've learned to cope with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the, Junior was he was a pretty big fanatic about a lot of things. One thing about you could not run a big motor. I mean, that was no, no. You could not do that. And we had a qualifying motor. Uh, and I think the limit was, uh, three, what is it? 358. And we won a pole somewhere and they tore us motor. We won pole like in 81, 82, won a pole every week. They tear the motor down about every other week. So finally about second year, we'd same motor over and over again. They tore it down. It was 358.000001. And they were, and they were, I mean, they were going to take, they were going to disqualify us because of that. And and Junior, Junior talked him out of it. I mean, Junior had a lot of, he had a lot of clout. But that was the only time that I drove that car that I ever heard or knew of us being anywhere near wow. over the limit. That was it. Now there were other things that we may have like what done that were not necessarily well, like what. Well, see, I, we were not rule breakers. We were rule makers. Okay. Junior had a roller cam. They were not legal, but he had figured out a way to take a flat tappet and put a ball in the bottom of that flat tappet and turned it into a roller cam. And so 
All these things were okay until I came along. When I came along, I said, hey, 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 can't do that anymore. We had a spacer, just really beautiful piece of work. I don't know who did it. Tapered spacer. No, can't run that anymore. Got to put that away. Uh, everything that had made them special, <laughs> different, creative, innovative, uh, one by one, they took away. Yeah. Because of you or uh, because of me? I was, look, I had a tough time. And I, I did it, look, I did it to myself. I was a smart ass. You brought and, heat and, and And so when they said, you can't do that, I'd say, why not? Or when they said, well, that's the rule. Well, that's a dumb rule. I, I, I never forget, I called Bill France one day. I said, Bill, it's some rule change they had made. I said, Bill, I'd like to know who the dumbass is that made that rule. He said, you're talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 <laughs> so but you know what I love, and, and Dale knows this, they make rules for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and, and a lot of times those rules don't necessarily fit what you're doing or, or, or your situation. But they try to make rules that fits the, the entire field, not just one little guy, yeah. not one guy. One of the things that I heard that Junior and his guys were doing in, in the Dew car was a lead shot in oh, the yeah. frame rail. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> that's possible. Yeah. Well, and, 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 look, everything – I want to explain to Mike what, what, um, what yeah. that would mean. Yeah. Is, so, you know, you, you, they put lead blocks in the cars to bolt that – and they bolt that in, right? Mm-hmm. And the car makes weight. And so uh, in some cars, and this is not exclusive to Junior, but back in the uh, back in the early 80s, maybe a lot in the 70s, they would fill the frame with lead shot, and, it ha- and then they'd, they would keep the lead shot in there with a putty or, or a soap or anything that might could get hot and melt. Oh, yeah. And then once it came up to temp, or maybe there was a trap door to open or something like that, yeah. the lead shot could pour out of right. the frame. And, and make then it the lighter. Car, then the car's hundreds of pounds lighter. Well, and here was the deal. And and everything but the lead shot had they, to go somewhere. Yeah, they create they would create situation for they they never thought about unintended consequences. Mm. So the car, let's just say the car had to weigh thirty seven hundred pounds when it went through tech. So you made sure your car weighed thirty seven hundred pounds when it went through tech. They wouldn't weigh them after the race. <laughs> I I, st- I was at Martin's I said, they're going through this blah, 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 blah. I said, Hey, Everything about weighing these cars after the race, and Bill Gasway was the inspector. He said, "Boy, let me tell you something. When that car goes on the line, it's legal. That's all I care about." Why? Why would you plant that idea into their head to weigh the cars after the race, being that you were well, if they did the beneficiary, if of they it. weighed everybody, I'm I'm okay uh, with that. Yeah, yeah I got it's that. the top five or whatever, but they wouldn't weigh anybody, and I we always that. knew we had the lead shot in the frame rail. That's, that's just what we did. If they put they, – they didn't have scales like they got today. They had grain scales. So you oh, had yeah. four of them. And they had a place where you drove the car up on they weigh all four wheels and then push you off. So if they put those scales in the truck, we knew they weren't going to weigh the cars when the race was over with because they done loaded up ready to hit the road for the next race. So that was an invitation to be creative. Empty the car out. Be creative. <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> I, I, one of the, you know, when I was working – Where with, did all the lead shot go? Could you see well, it? Oh, I just – I'll never get – so one it's still at a out. place like Martinsville. Oh yeah, no. Let me tell you. No, you'd love this. So Dick Beatty, he he liked to walk the racetracks every day because he was that was that was his exercise. So I'm walking the racetrack at Martinsville with him one day just for fun. 
We're walking around the track. He said, you know, D.W., it's something I don't understand. Every week I walk these damn racetracks, I see all these little bo- little BBs laying everywhere. <laughs> he said, I have not figured out where in the hell they come from. <laughs> so you got, I ain't got a clue, Dick. I don't know. Gosh, that's weird. Wow. <laughs> Need to look into that. <laughs> yeah. How long would y'all run that uh, until I, like? What, yeah. When does the lead shot come out? Yeah. Lap one. Well, you had you had to be you had to be care you had to be care. here's here's look. Okay, so we dropped a little lead every now and then, but everybody did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you go to Martinsville, Martin uh, just Martinsville sticks out in my mind. Wayne Thornberry, he worked for Richard. They would take a wagon down to Richard's car. They would take the car cover off of it. They would change out the radio and the helmet and everything else. And that wagon would come back down through there, and he could barely pull it. It was so loaded <laughs> up with, with, yeah. with lead and everything else. <laughs> and, and so the tires would be, you know, squished down. And, and so every, it wasn't like you're the only guy that was sure. smart enough to do it. I mean, there was other ways of heavy helmets, heavy radios, heavy whatever. Yeah. But this is, this is pretty cool. So you have a jack stop in the frame rail where you jack the car up. So that's where we let the lead shot out at. And so I had a little wrench. I did this little T-handle. I'd, I'd undo that. I'd back that, that center of that jack stop out. All the lead shot would go out that hole. <laughs> you, were, you were the one that – He had to engage the – You were the one. In the yeah. car? You're yeah, like the I, wizard behind the curtain yeah, sitting there I, it, at the it, controls of the lead shot. We, we didn't do it every week. We just did it every now and then. Yeah. But anyway – <laughs> so we're at Mar- we're at uh, Bristol, and uh, it was under caution. I, I didn't do it right. So under caution, I backed that screw out, and uh, and uh, all of a sudden, all that that I guess that lid had gotten wet or something, and it didn't come out. Oh, and so I didn't know if it didn't come out or not. I just did what I was supposed to. So we're going in the race. And all of a sudden, the damn lid all comes out at one time, and I I I mean I'm in third turn. I'm just I'm about to spin out. And I, and I finally catch it, and I just shoot down pit road. Well, Dave Marcus was on pit road. So I come down pit road out of control, and they thought Dave Marcus was the one that was dropping the shot. <laughs> so they're, they're wearing his car out trying to figure out where it came from. They ain't going to find it. So they're looking at all the cars. They're going to look at I won the race. They look at the car. They take the jack. So here's the jack stop. So they put the jack, and they jack the car up. So the jack is sitting – on the, on the hole. Yeah, on the on the trap door. And they could look for a day. They could look forever. They're never going to find it. <laughs> the jack has got the hole covered. They covered the hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. and it was a lot of that was. I mean, I know that sounds kind of. It's uh, no. It's great. Yeah. That's what I always believe that if your crew chief isn't trying, if that car isn't illegal, then he ain't trying hard enough. I agree. And that. Our job as drivers and crew chiefs and all the mechanics and crafty guys back here, engineers especially these days, it's their job to find yeah. holes in that rule book. Yeah. Like you say, not break the rules, make new ones. Yeah. And it's their job as an industry, as an organization, to govern oh, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there were not a lot of inspectors. I mean, you know, there were, well, what, five or six maybe at yeah. the most, and they had to look after all the cars and so some of them were your buddies, and they had to look the other way about certain things. And But we – literally, the things you've heard – and maybe you haven't heard these, but if we had something on the front of the car that we were trying to get away with, maybe we had cocked the nose or moved the nose or whatever, we would go to the rear of the car, and we would do something so blatantly obvious that the inspector would walk by and say, 
you got to fix that. <laughs> we talked about this last week on the show. <laughs> got, we talked about this very You got to fix that. Okay, okay. Well, we'll fix it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's we, just like the boxer in the ring that spins one arm and punches <laughs> you with the other one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we talked about this very thing. I'm interested because you just said sometimes they'd look the other way. So, you know. Certainly, I'm not speaking of the way NASCAR would govern the uh, the you know the league today. But uh, but Junior had a lot of sway. Yeah, and he also was very creative and innovative and stuff. Yeah. And so uh, there were things that he could get away with, I would assume, because you know the the story that I was privy to was because I worked with Jimmy Spencer. Yeah, and he was telling about that 1994 season when Jimmy won his only two races. Oh yeah, well. in that in that car, and, and I believe he said something like that. Junior came up to him and said, "You know, you do a way better Junior impersonation than I could, but yeah. boy, if you can't win in this car, yeah, you don't, you need to be bagging groceries yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah, and and I believe if I heard the story right, that NASCAR kind of was on to what they did. Yeah, but then they they said, "Don't bring it back." Yeah, and they brought it back. Yeah. And did one again, and they won again. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I know Junior told me I, I, I said '94. I guess when Spencer and you know I love Spencer, but wouldn't say he was the greatest driver I ever saw. But I just pretty, pretty. <laughs> he could be, he could be Rough an adversary sometime. But so they won a couple of races at Daytona and Talladega. I think. Well, I don't know Daytona. Daytona for and sure. Talladega. Yeah. And uh, I went up to Junior. I said, Junior, what the hell are y'all doing anyway? He said, Boy. We'll win every damn race till they catch us. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love I love doing this yeah. because you know you get kind of brings back memories, yeah. some good, some bad. Sure. Uh, but the sport today, people just have no idea what it was like when we started to the way it is today. If a guy walked into in the shop with a briefcase, we don't even come in here. Go somewhere else. Because, you know, it had a briefcase and it had a computer. Or a laptop, or yeah. Laptop. We're going to keep laps and tires. And I said, no, 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 no. We got this handled. You, you go do something else. We, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was really my, it's probably my downfall. Did you ever have any uh, nitro in your car? Once. Really? Oh. Yeah, one time. Well, when I went to drive for Diegard in the first year, oh, yeah. uh, Donnie, Donnie and, and Mario Rossi, they've been running every week. Nitro? Yeah. Yeah. And they, that's how they qualify pretty good. But who was it that uh, set on? Was it JD McDuffie set on the pole and wrecked his car, and the nitrous fell out of the? Yes, the frame? it exposed it. Yeah. It exposed it in the side of that's, the car. That's possible. It, it it wasn't that. It wasn't all that unheard of. Really, to have a little, a little assistance shot of nitrous when you qualified. Yeah. Uh, normally, just when you qualified, but I only got that one time. I qualified like me and AJ Foyt. He was. I think I was on pole. He was outside or vice versa. I don't remember which. And neither one of us had run worth a damn all day long. You know, like we're 25th in practice, but we end up qualifying on the front row. And so it's kind of <laughs> like, what did y'all do? I'll never forget. We take that car in there, and Rossi was a crew chief. And he had put the nitrous bottle in the petty bar. So it's about that long. And in it's the mounted cage. and covered up in the road cage. And all I had to do is stick a little wrench in there and open that baby up, and that thing would take off. I mean, I never done, I never done it before, so I was excited about wonder what this is going to do. Well, it, yeah. it wake that baby up. I'm telling what you, what did it feel like? Oh, it took off like a rocket. It put you back in the seat. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. You know, Daytona, you yeah. didn't necessarily feel it, but you could tell it was going because you're like, you've been turning seven thousand. Now you're turning seventy five hundred. I mean, good grief. <laughs> when would you do? Walk me through the process then. How? When exactly would you do this? 
On the straightaway. I mean, you know. Yeah. While you're running? Oh, yeah. While you're in. Yeah, like you'd, you'd go out of the pits and get up on the bank and get down, start down the bank. You had this little wrench. You had it between you. would take that little wrench, reach it up and slot that, and that thing go, and it'd take off. I mean. <laughs> That's awesome. Go crazy. You're doing that while you're driving at speed. Up to speed qualifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, 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 qual- right. Still, yeah. I mean, can you imagine how many people wadded up just to like, what were you doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I had to <laughs> wrench. I mean, I had to wrench that thing. I mean, you got to open it uh, up. <laughs> I was I was pretty busy in my race car for a lot. Of, you know, we had we when we go through tech, your right side had to weigh so much, so we'd have a block of Mallory that was bolted to the frame on the right side to make the right side weight be right. So when we get ready to, to then put me in the car, they'd undo that. They'd give me a, a piece of just tube, and they'd put the tube where the, where the Mallory was, and I'd take the Mallory and put it over on the left side to get the left side weight up. So I, it's just – I bet the worst word, But listen, this sounds really bad, I know, but it's not because there, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of people around to, to watch to – I had a helmet. It weighed 50 pounds. I never wore it. <laughs> but it hung in the car. I had a radio. I'll never forget this. We're at, we're at uh, we're Charlotte and Dick Beatty. And he comes, me and Rusty and Dale and us, we're sitting there talking one day, and he walks up, and he's got this, got this radio right here. And I said, Dick, is there something wrong with your radio? And he goes, wham! He throws that damn piece of Mallory down. It weighed about 50 pounds. He said, it ain't my damn radio. <laughs> he said, you want to know where we got it? And I said, I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I bet the worst day of your life was when they uh, introduced in-car, in-car cameras. Uh, that oh, that, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. would have changed the game for yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, you, you just hard to get away with stuff like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it just, the, the playing field has been leveled. Here's a quick admission from Daytona 500 champion Ward Burton. Episode 343. But I, so when I when I go, have to go back and look at Daytona's, in 01, we had the baddest hot rod there. We led the most laps. We, it would have been a different outcome of you and Mike was all I can say. Yeah. Oh, if you had been up there? I mean, yeah, because I was passing Tony Stewart by myself on the outside, and they were the next two. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm not saying Michael wouldn't have won. You know, all I can say that I was gonna be a player. You're gonna be in the middle of it. My 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 car was bad. It was handling and it was cheated up. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna go tell you where. It won't under the hood. But I mean that thing was was hauling the freight. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait a second. This, this is a safe space. You didn't know that. Like this is where people come and tell about all their cheated stories. <laughs> I didn't stories. know there was any safe space. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was cheated up. You At least he said that. You so, got, <laughs> we just did a podcast with any feature man, and he unloaded. He told us everything. <laughs> I did. It was awesome. Yeah. He, remember that car that Harry Gant won four in a row? It had all kinds of things going on. He told us about. Well, we had we had uh, so the floor firewall. I go hell. I'm gonna say who <laughs> the floor the floorboard on the car. We we had welded an extra layer of floorboard. Mm-hmm. And the only way you're gonna tell it if it. Somehow or another, it flipped up and gotten torn all the heck. And anyway, when we went to Talladega, I don't know why, but every single thing we touched made the car better. We, even if I got a penny, if I'm walking and I'm hit, acting like I'm pushing the car, and I stuck a penny up under the left top windshield and put that penny in there, it was a half a tenth. Every <laughs> every damn every time, it was a half a tenth. <laughs> 
Now, here is one of the great crew chiefs in NASCAR history. That's right, Todd Parrott from episode 330. What were some of the things that y'all did to the cars back then to find speed out of them? We like to share some of those secrets on the show. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, back then we had the long template. There wasn't many templates right. back then. Yeah, one template. You had one template, you know, and the Chevrolets had pretty pretty good hot rod. Had some friends that, you know, worked RCR and knew a couple things they were doing. But uh, Barry, Barry was really smart. Barry was, I mean, because, you know, he worked with uh, MC Anderson, Kel Yarborough, you know, in those days mm-hmm. before, before he came to Blue Max. Harold Kinder was the truck driver for NASCAR. Right. And they flag kept, man. The flag man. And they kept the truck down in Charlotte in this old garage. And that's where the templates, every, all the templates, everything stayed in there. They're like hound dogs. I mean, they're guard dogs down there. Mm-hmm. Barry said, I need you and Red Dog to go down and check, <laughs> check the template. I'm like, we said, what do you mean? Well, I want y'all to go down there and fix the template. And he showed us what he wanted us to do. So we go to Charlotte. Hey, Harold, you know, Harold, hey, he's lucky go, you know, he's just happy-go-lucky. We need to look at this long template. He gets the long template out, pulls it in that building. And Red Dog, because Red Dog was a truck driver, him and Harold, you know, Harold's got all these fancy chrome things on his truck. Yep. So while Red Dog had um, Harold Kinder out looking at the truck. <laughs> you fixed the template. Yeah, I had snips in my pocket. God. <laughs> and I, so the the Pontiac had a, the long template had a little thing on the end of it right. that kept the nose intact. In right. So I went down there and cut the end of it off so we could extend our nose about an inch and a half. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, yeah, did so, they figure it out? <laughs> no. No. How? No. no. How so, that... so I cut the template, and when I cut it, it snapped. I'm like, oh, I'm looking around. God, I mean, I'm gonna go to jail. I'm gonna, you know, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm never gonna be around anymore. But back then, it was like that's fun. Yeah, and that's so, pretty damn, that's pretty so, damn badass. <laughs> so the then, <laughs> yeah. So then I took the template and I drug it on the ground. You know, you know, because they took those templates out of the truck and they just stole drug them, them all over the place. Yeah. So I, you, you scuffed know, up the place to was, make it look yeah, like it had been that yeah, way. Exactly. Let that's me just awesome. tell you, it, look, for those, <laughs> for anybody that knows. Red Dog. Do you know Red Dog, Buddy Little Barnes? Bit, yeah. Okay, like, like I can only imagine the conversations he's using to get people away from that template. Like, I can hear him right now. I mean, I, I, I he's wish so I... full of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. No, exactly. Right. No, no, he is, <laughs> but, but in a, in a very endearing kind of way, right? Like everybody loves him, but he, God, that that is hilarious that that was all part of. His, oh yeah. <laughs> of his so he took him to the you know. To the other side of the trailer yeah. to talk to him about it. Yeah. So he couldn't even see where I was that's, at inside the building. Because Harold brought that template out and put it in that building. That's awesome. And when he brought it in the building, the dogs were all outside. and This is good. What else did y'all do? It. What um, else did y'all do? So the other thing, thinking 1988, 89, we won tons of races with that, you know, the, the new Pontiac. Yeah. It wasn't the uh, one with the... Um, the Squared off back window. I think I saw a car in here. Yeah, like that one over there, the three car. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got the new car. So the long template on it, when they built it, you know, it didn't have that little thing on the end of it because they went off the template that they had, which had been cut by you. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had been fixed. Yeah. And um, so we <laughs> added uh, two inches. So back then, it didn't have a hook on the back of the deck lid. 
like they do now. So, you know, now, you know, they got that temp- long template and it went over the back. Yeah. But before then, it just went, you know, right there on the deck lid. And stopped. And stopped. So we added two inches to the back of the deck lid. So we took and moved this whole corner of the deck lid, the whole deck lid, about two inches. Wow. And, but, and, with, and it laid, you know, laid spot. What would that do? More downforce. Okay. But that would still be obvious, wouldn't it? I mean, even though the template ends, now all of a sudden the car's growing. I mean, like. They didn't pay that much attention to it. They really didn't? Mm-mm. Wow. No. That's well, pretty awesome. It was like open season. For, I learned for, a lot of stuff in my early days that I was able to transfer. Yeah. Was your dad that way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that, yeah. that, yeah. Is that what makes the greats great? Yeah. It's, it's not cheating until you get caught. That's right. It's yeah. innovation. Right? It's yeah, innovation. exactly. Yeah. It's just taking that rule book and interpreting it. Interpret the way it, you, how want, you to. want to interpret it. Yeah. yeah. Who's the greatest innovator? Who? Um, of all time. Of all time. The greatest. I'd in- say Ray. Ray, Ray Abraham. Ray was pretty good. He was. Yeah. Ray was really, really good. He told us a few. And, um, you know, and I learned a lot, you know, in my in my days working with Yates. Racing being next to him. You know, racing next to a 24 car. I mean, I used to wear those guys out because I'd sit there and spend more time staring at their cars. And I'd go home next week and come back the next week and Ray go, car looks like mine. I went, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. But, uh, yeah, he, he probably was, I mean, he, he, he learned a lot, really smart. Yeah. Very smart. Now, here's one of the most intriguing episodes that we've ever had. It was episode 264 with a racer, one of the best ever, a convicted drug smuggler, and just one of the all-time greats in creativity. That is Gary Ballou. You say air is free, and oh. I try to tell my late model guys the same thing. How, do, how Can you explain to us what you mean by that? I got off in aero because I knew I knew nothing about aero with a cup car. So I said, I'll never get there. I don't I, I don't understand none of this. And I got around Pete Hamilton and Ray Stockus. Pete was into aero with a late model car, you know, and, of course, they were. He drove for Petty and so forth. He'd tell me, I'd call him, I'd say, this ain't a little tight getting in. You know, he said, put some more in the nose. Put some more on the nose and it'd be loose getting in. I said, now nah, it's loose. He said, put some more on the back. <laughs> said, oh, okay, put some more on the front. Put some more on the back. And we kept on, we kept on until we got a real good bounce. And then I got to where I started painting the nose and stuff. And I actually put like two-inch holes in the nose with a little plate over top of it. I could move around. I got so balanced underneath. Right. You know, it turned up underneath. Uh-huh. But it was ugly behind somebody else. It'd lose the air. So then I started moving the nose to the right and left front fender way before the, late, the cup wow. cards. Right. It's closing the hole up. And I worked on closing the hole up, closing the hole up, and pulling away from the bottom. So I just got off into the air. And then I got moving the carburetor box around and the air box around and cheating in the back with a rear spoiler. And I had some mechanical advantage back there. Sometimes the back would hop up two or three more inches and worked on the roof and narrowed the roof up and worked on the B, the B post, A, A, A and the B, and turned the A's. And oh, yeah, but. The, the big advantage I had was that I did get to go race for the cup cars and see a lot of that. Then I was around Raymond Beetle also with the drag cars. 
One, I think one great example, we've got a lot from the book, but 1973 at the Schaefer 100, you basically bolted two fuel cells in the car. So you yes. Have, what? There was, a man, there, was a mani- there was a mandatory fuel stop. And he both, so he, you know, they just, they would think around the rule book. It wasn't the bottom, cut the bottle on one, bowl them together. Right. Bigger can. So we run 45 gallons of alcohol and things, we run constant flow injectors. So it wasn't nothing the weight. I mean, we worked on that. So I think, and Gary's, Gary was an amazing driver. Should have won it. But for what, yeah, from, from, from what I take away from that is he yeah, he could get in anybody's car and be awesome. But if he could actually work on it a little bit beforehand, oh, yeah. mm. he could make it, he was like, think he could make it even better because he worked around the rule book. He didn't break the rules. They didn't say he couldn't run too fast. <laughs> well, it looks well, like he might. <laughs> let's not go that far. Thank you, Dale. <laughs> what some? I mean, what are some of the craziest things? Aside, I mean, that's a great example. Putting two fuel cells together in the car to be able to hold more fuel, so you didn't have to take so much fuel on that mandatory stop. Well, they, it. they held right. us in the pits. Well, what yeah, are some? They of, held yeah. him in the pits because this fuel guy didn't. What? They said didn't didn't put no good, fuel in it. He didn't yeah. do a good enough job to win, it. win a Grammy trying to <laughs> fake the fuel yeah. into the car. Yeah. Um, What's some of the cool, craziest things you ever done to to trick your cars up and even break the rule book? Well, uh, arrow was real big. I mean, we had the back of the car to where you talk about the car hiking up three inches. Hike it up to the, the tail. The recorders hike it up. You know, so you put like four inches, five inches, three inches more where it's spoiling the car. Right. You get off in the corner deeper. Yeah. You know all that. So how did you do that? With mechanically. Yeah. Went to cranks and and then probably the the most outlandish thing we ever did was run mercury. What was that? Wait, what? So how? Why would you run Mercury? Left side. My car was sixty percent left side without the driver. Yeah. So how did you do that? Pumps, <laughs> stainless cans. Yeah. The frame rail to frame rail. And it pumped Mercury from one side of the car to the other. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you're, what? While you're on the racetrack or while you're in the pits. After you went through tech. Right. Yeah. Incredible. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. So uh, Daryl Waltrip. Yeah, uh, you know, it was nothing. Nothing in the rule books you couldn't do that right. at the time. But yeah, hey, got to where you. EPA and all that stuff, boy. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. But I, I imagine how many rules have been created because of you, like wow. because of your, your stunts. I mean, uh-huh. I bet there's a bunch. Now, yeah. Now, you guys slid. I've heard things about you guys being able to slide around weight during races. That's what Is he's it, talking about. Yeah. Pump, I mean, the mercury. The mercury pumping from one side of the car to the other. During the race. Yeah. Jesus. Well, in the pits. Okay. To get it across the scales. I'll tell okay. you a good story. I had a fire bottle, and I'd move from the left side to the right side. It was like 41 pounds of full mercury. So it's pretty hard to get that under the steering wheel and get it from the right side to the left side. But one Concord, it got caught. The steering wheel was about to cross a lot, cool down a lot. I won it. Yeah. I couldn't get it over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I thought, what am I going to do? I rolled up off for him. I passed out. I was exhausted. I pulled off, went down in the infield and just pulled up the inside guard row and bumped a little bit and they all come running. I was right, move it, move it, get it over there. Yeah. Ray got it over there. <laughs> then we got to the scale, but but the fuel and everything, and I think we were about three pounds light. Dang. And then back and forth, back and forth, we stuffed it, we shook it, we everything, you know. And everybody, ah, blah, blah, blah. They got quick change gears. They come up with quick change gears and I put them in my pockets. Well, I go getting a hot rod and the cop wants to pat me down. I said, get away from me, man. What's wrong with you? You nuts or what? And I got in the car and we finally made weight, you know. But Dang. And cop was patting you down? Patting me down, man. Get in the race car. I said, get away from me. Who do you think you are? <laughs> that is amazing. Well, they do that stuff at the Snowball Derby now. I mean, yeah. uh, Oh, Ricky Brooks, Ricky Brooks is the best, best inspector I've ever seen anywhere, any place. I can, oh, yeah. I, he's better than DEA drug dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
Now let's get to Tommy Russell. Now, Tommy was one of Dale Earnhardt's first car owners, and the interview was a rare peek into the formidable years before the seven NASCAR titles when when Dale was just trying to make a name for himself on the clay ovals of the Carolina dirt track scene. And old Tommy, he shared a story that had never been told before. It was on episode 364. I told you, Daddy, one day, I said, Dale, I said, uh, come on, take a ride with me. We're going to go over to Dink Widenhouse's shop. He said, what are we going over there for? I said, I'm hunting a carburetor. The rule book said two-barrel carburetor. Well, I always, even if we're winning races, I want to try to be a little bit better, you know, because you can get behind in a hurry. And I told Dale, I said, well, you know, there's nothing else we can do for the engine, but we could do something with the carburetor. So we went over there to Dink's, and Dink said, yeah, look out there all you want. These are trucks, you know. I found a carburetor, so help me, it was this high. And it had a flat plate on the front there with uh, bolt holes in it. And I took my measuring stuff. It was a lot bigger in the Ventura than what we'd been running. We had tried, you know, Holly two barrel. God, even today, Daddy did one, and some other guys they were cutting a a, a Holly race carburetor apart and running off just the front two barrels on it because they were bigger than the other. So we got that. And I measured it quite a bit bigger than what we had. And take it back to the shop. They give me two of them and give me the carburetor kits that take all you need. So we got back to the shop, and Daddy, he was looking at it, and he said, I, I mean, I think this will work. Well, we went over to Speedway a little bit, Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Daddy kept up the vehicles over there, so we just took it out there on the racetrack, and I said, Dale, I'm driving it. Well, we were running down, you know, and then turn around and come back Pitt Road. Dale's over there hanging on to the roll bar, and he's, he's scared. You know, he, I'm, I'm, I'm winding that thing up in gear. So I told Dale, I said, it feels good here, but, we're going to take it to the fairgrounds Friday night. We'll warm up with it. We'll take it off, and we'll um, put our other car back on there, and you know, we'll you know, try it back and forth like that. So he went out there, and he run the, the uh, qualifying race, and he said, Tommy, this thing is flying. I'm serious. Let me drive it in the feature. I said, all right, we can't do nothing but burn the motor up, you know, because we didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to raise the hood. I didn't want anybody to see it. Well, I was looking under the hood, and um, – see if we had any leaks or anything. Well, Ralph come over, and he, he got down and looked down there, and he said, what the hell is that? <laughs> and I said, he said, it looks like a fuel injector. I said, no, it's a two-barrel carburetor. You can get them across the street. Well, we run it in the feature, won it. And we, we started running ever since, put, put one on both cars. And then they went to a four-barrel, we put two of them on an engine. <laughs> and uh, they finally, they protested. Well, I couldn't hardly breathe. There's so many people around the car. I had to take the carburetor off. I didn't read the whole rule book, but the rule book said two-barrel carburetors still in production. Well, I knew it was a two-barrel carburetor, but I ain't <laughs> sure about that production. Well, they had to put up $70 or something. There's ads in, I mean, papers in here about it. And um, so the promoter held up the money, took the carburetor, he called, I think it was a Holly carburetor, truck carburetor. He called them, and then they said, how many you want? We still get in production. We'll oh. sell you all you want. So we were clear. Yeah. We got our money, and plus the money they put up for tearing it down. That's right. But guys were crowded around me there. That one guy said, 
Oh, God, that's the biggest thing I ever seen. It looks like a big old blower on a, on top of that engine. No, they was just going nuts with it. But I, that's the part I loved about racing, trying something different, stir up some stuff, you know. And we just we we just had a good time back in the day. Yeah. So you were you were around Dad in his first Cup start at 1975 at uh, Charlotte, the World 600. What do you remember about qualifying that day? I can't tell at all. Why not? Uh, just won't. <laughs> I'll tell you later. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, Dale had a way with my daddy. He could talk to daddy anything. He, he called daddy. He said, uh, James, we really need Tommy over here for a couple of days because it wasn't nobody but Norman being a mechanic and, you know, Dale was in the car and everything. So Dale let me off work, went over there and helped him get the car ready to race and everything. I, me and Norman was going to change the tires and everything. That's a big deal with us, you know, running sure. that Grand Instrument car. Massive. It was, uh, uh, I thought I was somebody there for right. a while. <laughs> <laughs> but how'd qualifying go? We made the race. Yeah. Made the race. Yeah. I'm That's, curious on what he's not saying. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I guess there is a cheating. Your your buddies are back there talking about it too, yeah, and I know. want to put a mic on yeah, them because they're sitting there doing their hand gestures. Statue yeah. of limitations. Look right. at him. He, th- 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 there's everybody he's on the line. I feel like everybody in the room knows what's going on except us, yeah. Dale. <laughs> should I get him to tell it? Yeah. They're saying yeah. You should. What's tell all what happened? <sighs> we had to have a bottle. A nitrous. Nitri- Dad had nitrous. Oh, boy. And I said, Dale, where is the bottle? He said, damn it, Tommy, I'm sitting on the bottle. <laughs> and he, he says, you see that pop river behind the air filter? That's where it's coming out at. But damn. As soon as qualifying's over, we got it the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big mistake. I wish I'd have known that. I hope so nobody Daddy, watches this show now. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody, I mean, you know, there's a lot of nitrous back then um, in race cars, you know. Uh, but... Uh, that's funny. It is funny. <laughs> so, so um, well, the funny part is, is because around 1995 or six, I was I was working on my late model car, and I'm out in this. I'm kind of in this, in this. Uh, I'm working on my car in a warehouse. Uh, Dad put all his parts and stuff in from his Xfinity team. I think Jeff Green was the driver at the time, but um, I'm out there working on my car. And I'm right next to the paint booth. There's a phone. And I don't know how in the hell I figured this out, but I got a hold of somebody that sold nitrous. And I was on the phone with this guy asking him about it. And Dad walked up on me. I didn't know he was standing there. And I'm on the phone talking to this guy. And I got off the phone, and I turned, and there's Daddy. And he's like, if you ever put nitrous on, or if you ever put nitrous on your late model car, you won't be going to the racetrack with it. He's like, I'm, he's like, that's my race car, and you ain't putting nitrous on it. <laughs> that was his way of saying that you're not going to do that. And he talked so – he talked like a guy who had never right. used nitrous. <laughs> <laughs> if I had known, well, damn, did he? You Changes got, everything. You used a little nitrous back in the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Andy Petrie worked with many racers, Harry Gant, Phil Parsons, Dale Earnhardt, to name a few. He was, listen, Andy Petrie, one of the best innovators, rule benders, whatever you want to call it, innovators of the rule book. Andy Petrie was on episode 339, and he had some stories. 
But uh, Phil, Phil's great. I won my first race as a crew chief with Phil in Cup in the Cup Series. Yeah, at Talladega. So we got some good memories about yeah. that race. What what year? That was '88. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about that race? How did he win that? Like to, to go? <laughs> what do you mean that car was go, go back. He had the yeah. fastest car. Right. Yeah, he did. No, I know. But what, what was in that car? <laughs> okay, statute of limitations hadn't run out on that no, one. No, it's yet. run out. No, yeah. I don't think so. It, it's run out. No, because <laughs> no, listen, I'm going to tell you. Oh, something. We had we had a few tricks back then. back then. It was you know it, it wasn't so much if you if you built a car by the rule book. Um, you want to know where they went. Oh yeah. So you the the way you raced is how you raced to the enforcement, whatever the enforcement of level course. was. You were always snuggling right up and ne- right next to it, and that's the the good crew chiefs were the ones that knew where that was. Like you couldn't, like no new guy could come in there and figure it out. You have to just keep working. Hey, you don't have to it. explain it to us. We're we're all about it. Okay. We, we love this. Uh, yeah. We love this. We, love it. we, we had a little advantage. We though. love I'll the innovation. That. That's what we call we it. love innovation. Right. Yeah. We we had uh, Chad Ganaus. <laughs> pulling out all his uh, tricks and everything, but oh, I guarantee he didn't pull them all out. I even had <laughs> VW in here admitting some of his because he. Oh, you're you talking know, I heard that thing about the lid how, dropping out of the trick yeah. shot. You know how prideful <laughs> he is. He won everything fair and square. Oh yeah, right. You were a genius on the on the pit box and set the thing. Where did this come from? I mean, seriously, because you 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 are telling us that you didn't even know you didn't know what wedge was, and now you're winning a race with Phil Parsons. You are, let's say, applying some uh, some imagination to maybe not imagination. You're applying some of you, you know, things that you can, uh, uh, you know, set yourself apart on this car. Where does this come from? Well, a lot of most of it's want to, right? I wanted to do this. I wanted to be successful so bad that I was willing to do whatever it took. And you know, I didn't like I said I didn't have an engineering degree. I didn't back then. None of the crew chiefs did, but you know. I, I was a, at least smart enough to know what I didn't know, and I would I would always seek out people that I knew that had that had more you know either experience or knowledge or and I was never afraid to do that. Uh, I mean I did that through my whole career, you know like I told you about John Settlemeyer and Tommy Houston. I mean I aggravated them to, to the to no end. I mean they just got tired of seeing me coming because I just have a list of questions a mile long, you know about everything. And I just I wanted to I wanted it so bad that I was willing to do, just use every resource that I could to, to get me there. Do you tell drivers? I, honestly, this could be a question for you. How much does a crew chief tell the driver what things they're doing or trying or in, in, in um, the car? The stuff that you don't want. <laughs> okay, so he knows a lot of things that were happening with his car. I was, I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. He might not admit it, but he knew about everything that was happening. You don't, you, you know, one reason you tell the driver Too is you much. got what one reason you tell him a little <laughs> bit, though, and you want him to know is you want him to think he's got an advantage. That's a good point. Because oh. that that is yeah. usually worth more. His, just him yeah. thinking he's got an advantage is usually worth more than the actual advantage. I used to race late models with Gary Hargett, mm-hmm. and I told him, I said, what I said, whatever you're going to tell me, lie to me <laughs> so that just like you say, yep. I think that, man, I, this thing's going to fly. Right, yeah, and you know if you're gonna if you're gonna take a little wedge out, if you're gonna change the right rear spring, don't tell me that. Don't even tell me. Just don't even tell me. Let me yeah. go out there and tell you how it drives. I don't want a predetermined idea in my head what it's gonna drive like, right? Because I'm already I'm already gonna screw it up. <laughs> but if but if you want to tell me you put rocket fuel in there. By all means, tell, tell me, me you put some rocket yeah. fuel in this thing. <laughs> some people reacted to that different. Like your dad. It wouldn't really matter to him much. Really? You know why? Because he was getting 105 to 10% out of that car every lap all the time. So you could, you could if you tell him that, it doesn't help any, right? Yeah. He's already giving you more than, than you should be getting. 
But mm. the other drivers would. This is a good story with Harry. So we built this car. It ended up being one, the car that we won the four in a row with in 91. Oh, yeah. We built it, and it built it super, super light. So we had a lot of ballast in the right-hand side that you, to make the minimum weight, I think, was 1,600 pounds at the time. And so we made this little deal, you know, exploiting some of the rules, where Harry had a little ratchet. We would take in the right side battery box, we didn't put a battery in it. We just put some lead pieces over there. And then on the line, we're putting him in the car. You used to let the interior guy get in the car and help him, right? So they would swap <laughs> this over. Harry would stick it over in the seat. Beside. So you'd make total weight, right? But they never really looked at the right side weight. And so we put these pieces over there and make it left side hit. Well, shoot, man, Harry, you tell him, because he, he's doing it. He knows he's got this advantage. He's not going to let anybody beat it. Well, by the time that four in a row deal comes around, this car's been run, you know, quite a few times. And you know what happens? They get heavier as you run them. <laughs> well, by the time we did it, the thing was already 1,600 pounds on the right with no weight. You know, so we didn't even have any ballast in the right side of this thing. And so the interior guy, Scott Robinette, says, you know, we still need to be swapping that lead just so Harry did not lose that advantage. Right, right. right. The so, mental advantage. So we were going from, like 40 pounds or 50 pounds over on the right with that thing in there and just switch, switch it over here. It wasn't even illegal. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Harry's like, uh-uh, I, got, I got more left side weight than you. I'm going to beat you. That's and he did. So yeah. awesome. Yep. That's wow. perfect. I don't even know if Harry knows yeah. that, now, but he does now. Dude, these guys are playing mind games. <laughs> yep, yep. That was the advantage. And then he had this in his mind that one certain car was better than the other one, so we just changed the stickers on the dash sometimes so he didn't know which one it was. Yeah. That really happened? Yeah, oh, yeah. He was always usually smart enough to figure out that, uh, yeah. yeah, this is not the car because yeah. the pedals are something, you know, y'all know. You're, you're sort of confirming what I've always suspected. Drivers are sort of mental, right? Oh, they're, 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 they're head you cases. You just now figured that out. They're head cases, right? They are head And you, you have to just, just to get them, sometimes it's just to shut them up, <laughs> just drive the car, and you have to trick them into like Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, yeah. We used to have all, we, when we, we used to party all the time down in the saloon. Everybody that came in there that wanted vodka wanted Grey Goose. Gotta have yeah. Grey Goose. So you Gotta just poured another goose. one in there, yeah. So we, we, when the Grey Goose bottle was empty, we just started taking the Burdettes and pouring yeah. that in there. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> you want some Grey Goose? Here yeah. you go. <laughs> Man, you guys make careers out of lying to people is what y'all have done. I tell you. <laughs> y'all just tricking people. On. Yeah, what's real anymore? So, wow. Okay, do, do we want to talk about Harry Gant 91? Because that's... Uh, that was an amazing stretch right there. It was. It was something special. You I mean, I still think we could try to pry out what was so good about that 1988 Talladega. Okay, car. good. Because, yeah. all right, listen. <laughs> let's just let go. Listen, <laughs> your, your, stat, your statute of limitations may not be up. Ours passed a long okay. time ago. So right. it is. It is assumed. You don't have to say. I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is. All right, well, let's hear it. Okay, so we we run the Daytona 500 in '88. Ran good. Uh, we did well. What happened was. Uh, we were, you know, we were pitted around the, the 12, I think it was a 12 car Bobby Allison was driving. And anyway, I suspected they were sucking air under the restrictor plate. Back then there was... Bobby won the Daytona 500 that year, I think. Uh, yeah, he Davey. sure did. And yeah. I was suspecting this. I could hear the way it was idling. I could hear all these things. And, you know, then he obviously goes out there and wins the 500. We ended up finishing third with Phil. And, um, and, I, and, and we just, even though we finished third, we couldn't even compete with them. I mean, they were like in another league. And so I went... Told Leo Jackson, he's going to be really mad when he hears this. <laughs> but I went and talked to Leo about, you know, if we want to compete, then we got to do what they're doing. I said, we got to figure out a way. They're, they're finding a way to get air under around that restrictor plate. We have got to figure it out. And um, so he said, all right. He, he was very reluctant. He didn't want to do it. But he, I said, uh, as a matter of fact, we got an argument. I said, okay, if you just want to go to the race, just show up. We'll do that too. Mm. So he got mad. 
went to work, fixed a manifold. It's one of the most amazing pieces of art you've ever seen. I mean, it, it cut it in pieces, made it, put these holes in it, and it was. I still got it. You still have oh, it? Oh yeah, heck yeah, I got Damn. it. Damn, yeah, I got it on shelf. Like, where do you, you keep? In I just keep it in my shop. At shop shit, somewhere. Yeah. That's so awesome. And uh, I guess I feel things too, but so, <laughs> so we put that thing on there, and uh, and Leo did it right. I mean, it, and it, it was worth a pretty good advantage. Yeah. And uh, we did, we don't sit on the pole though. I, yeah. Apparently, everybody else is doing it too. And uh, so the last lap of the race, Bobby's trying. Bobby finished second, and we ended up winning. And boy, I was wondering how Bobby was making that that front end on that Buick mm-hmm. run so good uh-huh. on the plate track because that it was, front end it was, was what's underneath the front end was making it run. The the grill mm-hmm. on the Buick at that time it's was like running the wrong way, yeah. right? It's like the opposite of yeah, what you he want. was. He was pretty good too. He was, but that was uh, after the race was over. We were tearing the engine down. And I look around. There's no Leo Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't only nowhere around <laughs> it, but we got it through. Yeah. It was, he did a really good job with it. But I tell you what, he did do. This is the best thing. He goes back to the shop, and he makes this thing that will actually bolt on the engine, pull a vacuum on it, and check for that, and takes it the next week to the garage and gives it to the series director, and he says, if I can't cheat, nobody can. This is what we need to be doing. So he showed him how to use it. That thing is still being used in the garage today. Wow. That that similar thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's why they tech them now. I know that uh, I never heard that about uh, the the Bobby's car. I know that um, I thought that that was the big rumor on the four car when it was winning all the plate races. When I think it's probably Sterling. more than a, more than a rumor. Yeah, <laughs> like they had drilled. It the, had gotten so hard by that time though. That's why you got to give. You know, uh, I guess it's Runt Pittman was building the engines. Yeah, and Tony Glover. You got to give him a lot of credit because it was hard to get by with that back then. Yeah, I they, I heard that they had dr- they were drilling the studs for the carburetor the carburetor studs. They were drilling holes in those down in there and yeah. then, then then routing into the you need to get glover in here yeah. put him on the hot seat oh, make yeah. him come clean oh, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> fun it's fun you've already got me <laughs> <laughs> all right so are we satisfied with the phil parsons explanation i am okay so then we go move on <laughs> I, to the next trickeration to, car I took, so i tried that so i heard <laughs> i heard that y'all were doing that kind of stuff and when i ran my late model at myrtle beach the, mm-hmm. the allen plugs in the in, in the intakes and in, yeah yeah i would drill a hole in the side of that Allen plug and then valley it into the, into the intake. But then you could turn that Allen plug of, you know, a quarter of a turn and seal, and seal it. Yeah. So nobody, you know, it wouldn't leak. Then you, when you get ready to go run, you clock that, clock that <laughs> thing back a little bit and open it up. It was good for, it was big on a two barrel carburetor, <laughs> but, uh, didn't help me win, but <laughs> still had to go through the corner better. Harry Gant. So you talked about Harry, setting up that car uh in his shop and so you'd been around harry for a while uh since the early 80s right actually i you know i've been exposed to harry gant back in the 70s you know when i first started going to hickory he was racing there and he right. was he like, actually a hero of mine i mean it was like mm. i mean it just doesn't get much better than what he was doing he was you know the coolest guy on the track and winning races and you know how so you know cambered housings toad housings all that stuff is so common and everybody's doing everything they can to max 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 even thousands of a degree right what was the again mike kind of tapped into what my thought is here as to what how's the conversation start okay so here's what happened with that so that was in the real early days of the radial tire right it was in 1990 is that the first time you ever thought in your mind I would love to have a little more camera. No, that, yes, that was the first time. But here's what drove us to that, because that radial tire 
we were running kind of the same. We just put the tires on and go run the same setups. And we don't have any tire data like they have now. There's so much data that the crew chiefs and engineers have, and it's generated. You know exactly where to put the toes and the cameras. We didn't have any of that. And so we're just kind of going from history, which was we run three and a half over here, three and a half, three here. On the front. On the front. This is front, front cameras. Well, then the engineers, the tire engineers, were trying to give us a little bit of, you know, Hey, man, y'all try a little more camber in those front tires. So it's their fault everybody started running more camber. They're, they're the first ones to say something about it. <laughs> and so we tried, and gosh, it really reacted to it. I mean, it really reacted to camber. It was crazy because the bias by tire was kind of numb to it. You yeah. know, you could put a little more camber. It might be a little but it was This thing, you put a little bit, boom, it was good. You know, you knew it, it was there. And so we go to Richmond. We finally got the front cambers kind of figured out, but we come back from the Richmond race, and we used to have to dismount all of our tires that we ran in the race, unlike today where they just throw them in a hauler and somebody else does it all. But I'd always go out there on Mondays and look at all the tires that came off the car to just see, you know, make sure we're trying to get the maximum out of the car. You know, if you're wearing the right rears too much over the rest, you know, you're trying to look at all that. Well, I start looking. We're killing the outside edge of the right rear tire. Mm. Like, it's wearing twice as much as the inside and kind of the same thing on the left and so like dang you know that camber deal would work if we could get some camber in this rear end and so i go to leo and i said leo jackson and i said what what do you think about this all right he said i don't know how you get that axle to work you know it's all this stuff designed to run straight (laughs) i said well i said i got an idea i said if you'll help me with it i said i'm gonna crown this i'm gonna put that axle in the lathe and i'm gonna put like a little ball on it and um and then no i said why don't you do that? Because I, I was going to do it myself, but I didn't have the right tooling. I didn't really know. He said, "Let me do that part." So he goes and does that, brings it back to me, but it still won't go in the it still won't go in the drive plate because the root of the spline needed to be the same way. So I put it in the lathe, and I just took a I literally took a ziz wheel on an air, air hose, and I went down in that root all the way around those splines of that axle, and made it kind of ball shaped. Stuck and got it where it would actually fit in the car. After we, this is after we yeah. cambered. We, we actually bent the housing like a half a degree maybe the first time. No more than that. No more than about one anyway. Because that's all it really wanted to give up. You know, you're trying to bend this housing. Good. Yeah. And then, then, then we try to make these axles fit. We finally make them fit. And we take it to a couple of races. It, the, the, it didn't just start off. We didn't start winning right when we did it. Right. It was kind of an evolution. Then we ended up putting a little more and trying to get a little more, get a little better at it, and gre- you know put grease, make sure they could live, and we just kept sneaking up on it until yeah. the the ninety one four in a row. By that time, we had gotten it pretty mature. So mm. the uh, the problem initially with trying to camber the housing, you can torch the housing or cut it or do whatever you want to do f- to make the actual housing flange have camber, but then you have a drive plate and an axle and all those things like you say that are made to run straight. You had to shape the axle but mm-hmm. then the valleys of the teeth yeah. right in the axle itself. that's what i had to take that zis wheel and go down in there and that was the, make that was the key i wouldn't even thought about that i'd have been like oh ain't gonna work what what's, we're gonna who's, give who's, up who's got another idea <laughs> nobody normal thinks about that right I know it. <laughs> this is what makes them good this so is it. but the combination of that the front end and a few other things really gave that car the biggest a thing competitive advantage the biggest thing is the edge. engine what People about the motor don't really know much about the engine at that time, like I said, we had worked all these cambers out. We'd already gotten made a lot of headway on some things, and then we found out that we were behind on our engine stuff. That, that there was a loophole in the rules. There was a twenty-two degree angle or twenty-three degree angle rule for for the cylinder heads. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a, teams that were welding up the heads and then just basically rolling them, and uh, it was kind of a loophole. And we were way behind the curve. We didn't realize it because we're up in Asheville and we're not kind of in the mainstream, but. 
somehow it gets to us that we're behind on it. Well, our guys go to work, and like I said, Leo Jackson is one of the best. And they do, I mean, they do it right. It mm. took 200 hours of welding, though, on those heads to make them. And then you remachine them, reshot paint them, reheat treat, all this stuff. Well, that, that engine, that race at Darlington was the first race we showed up with that motor. <laughs> so, to me, <laughs> that's, that's what sent us over the edge, that it yeah. was the engine. Dang. Along with all the other things. Sure. Incredible. I'm trying to process 200 hours of welding. One guy, yeah. it took him weeks and weeks. It took forever to weld these things. Damn. I mean, it was really, I mean, you're talking about welding three quarters of an inch of, or more on one side of the head. When like did, on the base of the head. When did you start to see around the garage everybody tuning in to the to the camber? Uh, it was, I don't know how that got out so easily. It shouldn't have. I, I guess we were just weren't, you know, we weren't tight-lipped enough about it. And then, you know, all of a sudden, then we're playing catch-up because everybody right. else is going, instead of one degree or one and a half, I think is where we wound up, they're going three and three and a half. Till they're break, and then they're breaking axles and they're, yeah. you know, we never – you know, we never did break an axle or, or strip a spline doing that. That's yeah. amazing. But, that's but a lot so, of teams did. That's like the perfect example of how the garage works. You know, the teams observing each other. I'd go to, and I know you're well in the throes of this and deep into what's happening, but my favorite part of the competition meeting was the part when Alan Gusterson would open up his laptop and connect to the 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 whiteboard on mm. the wall and show us all of the photos that they took all weekend of everybody <laughs> else's stuff. Yep. And oh man, look at how they've got that made. Look at how they've shaped this. And that was my favorite part is to it's sort crazy of how see the detail these photos are that they yeah. get from the roof that you you know you see a lot. I mean, it's hard to hide stuff on the outside of the car. It sure is. Mm -hmm. And we're, the garages are. Ob I mean, the the you're while you're in there working on your own car. You know, especially back when we had practice, which we hopefully get back at some point, some some shape or form. You're you're not only working on your own car, but you are work, looking at every, every opportunity when a wheel comes off of that car next to you, and you get a shot oh, at yeah. it. You get to look in there you're and see what they're doing. Yeah, every opportunity to be able to to see a different vantage point from your competitor's car, because usually you only see it on the racetrack or sitting on the yeah. On the ground. Everybody's pretty uh, protective of that stuff. I know yeah. when I was at you know ESPN and, and working with Fox, I could walk through the garage and I wasn't a threat, right? I could look under people's hoods. I talked to you know, man. As soon as I walked in with this shirt on. Oh yeah, I, I just you know you kind of get you forget you kind of forget. So I walk in there, I'm looking. I think it was Joey Logano's <laughs> car, and I'm standing there looking at it, and that guy's, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, I know we're supposed to. I know we're supposed to talk about all your you know your days with Dale Earnhardt and uh, and Rad and everything, but I still got one more I want to ask you about. Okay, because <laughs> this stuff is fascinating, and I'm impressed. I was watching an, an interview that Ray Everham gave, and where he was talking about. This deck lid at Daytona. He's the one giving that up. Well, I guess. I mean, I, it's on YouTube. <laughs> really? All right. What did so, he say about it? Well, the deck pin, the, the, the pins, like somehow. Was it his? No, yours. Oh, okay. He yeah. said this was yours. Yeah. Where Earnhardt could lower. No? It wasn't Earnhardt. It was, it it was, was not it Earnhardt. Was Harry Gant. It was Harry It was Harry Gant. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got it. I forgot is, the deck list. Is this on the same shelf? As the, it's close to it. It's <laughs> he's, got a he's got a trophy case of all his most When stuff. it comes to selling uh -oh. your stuff, I want all those things. I want, I want all the – I want your little cheated up parts. And so, listen, if Ray Evernham's out there talking – he's on a PR tour to uh, talk about all the stuff That's what the Hall of Fame needs is this yeah. exhibit. Oh that's right. They it need does. an exhibit. Yeah. yeah. So, what, what can you tell us about this deck lid? 
Okay, so we go to in Day- Daytona. They came up with a spoiler angle rule. And I guess it was 89 or 90. I-, I can't remember what year it was. And we had always been good. Like I said, we won in 88 at, at-, at Talladega, finished third at 500. So we were always good at speedways and exploiting all the rules. Well, some of that spoiler angle was some of it. Some of it was heights. A lot of things that we – but Gary Nelson came along and really tightened up every you know, This is his first – going to be his first season as the series director. And uh, so we've got to clean it all up now if we can't – be cheating. They're going to check heights. And so now all of a sudden we, we can't do our little things we were doing. And we weren't very fast. We were testing and we were really slow. Motors were off at that time. And I remember being on a plane coming back. I'm just kind of in my mind thinking, what are we going to do? And I thought if I could figure out a way to get that spoiler to lay down and get it back up because they're going to check it post-race. And so I had in my mind before I even landed, I had in my mind how we could make the hinge you know, and conceal it and how all that would work. And <laughs> I didn't have, what I didn't have was an actuator <laughs> for it. And so I go, we got, I, I mean, I go to work on it. As soon as we get back, me and a guy named Dean Jones worked in our shop in, in a little locked up room on this thing. Nobody knew. <laughs> and we get this thing all working. The spoiler hinges perfect. Everything's good. I've got the back plate of the spoiler. I, I, I do this little deal with silicone where it looks like it's welded, but it still has flexible and it's, you know, it's all good. But I don't have any way to move it. And I'm looking at, back then, no internet, right? So you don't have a way to go to search this thing. And I'm, I've looked in catalogs. And so one night I, I took my, my car that we drove as Oldsmobile, the Delta 88 that they gave us to drive, you know. So I'm driving it to the store. And I get to the store, get some groceries, and I pop the deck lid. Boop, pops up, you know. I'm going to throw the groceries in the trunk. I shut the deck lid. And if you remember these cars, they'd, they would click, and then they would have this thing that just pulled them down tight, you know. And so as soon as that happened, like, as soon as they went, click, click, and went, yeah. I was walking to the driver's door, and I went, whoa, wait a minute. I popped that deck lid up. I said, where is that thing? What's doing that? And so I take that thing right straight from the grocery store over to the shop, and I pop that thing out, and I find that little motor, and it is dead perfect. It's got this little thing going up and down. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, this is perfect. And so I take it. I make this. I go in there and fab up. This is at like eight o'clock at night. I fab up this little thing to like hold the deck lid down on this car, <laughs> you know, and take that thing. And then I had to buy another one, right? Because I needed one on each side of the spoiler. Okay. So we start making all the little yeah. linkages and everything. And but it has it's perfect. It had a little limit switch, and it, we had it, we could set it, and we got it. And it was nice. <laughs> Again, Leo Jackson, not one that wants to cheat. And so, how did you engage it? So okay, that's. That's the key to it. So we get it on the car. I told Leo, I said, look, this is what I'm gonna, I wasn't going to do it without telling him. He said he didn't want to do it. I said, well, tell me, let me put it on the car. If you can find it, if you can find it, we won't run it. And you Where know it's on I heard that there. before. Okay. I said, if you can find it, yeah. we won't run it. I'll give you all the time you want. I, for, I feel like we've heard, somebody had that it, same it, mm-hmm. exact story. It was it was DW. It was the 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 shot the the shot that would come out of the uh, – out of the frame rails. Yeah, but he was but like, they couldn't, we, but no, they, they but couldn't he, find the door. He's, they, they were saying the same thing. Like, if you can find it, we won't do it. Yeah. Somebody else is uncomfortable. That's a pretty good so way we of put the, right, handling I mean, things. Because he knows it's in the car. You yeah. inspect it and, and see if you can find yeah. it. So we roll the car. It's ready to go to Daytona. Roll it in there. Where was it? Huh? Okay, so we had a radio box. The, what, back then, we had a, a different kind of radio system. It was an analog thing, and we put it in a, a, a box. Everybody kind of had them. Yes. There was an aluminum box that would keep out the interference and it's set on the tunnel the way we had ours right beside the driver and it had some switches on it and dials to turn the radio up and turn it on and off so we just put a little extra switch in there a little three-way like middle and up and down <laughs> on the radio on the radio box and so I, oh. I wired all this stuff through the roll bars 
I mean, the key to cheating is you got to do it right. I mean, you got to really do the work. And so we we spent hours and hours doing this and concealed it up in the hinged part, you know, and all the stuff in the car. Everything's ready. Put it on there. Check. Okay, so Are you- Leo checks the angle. It's 45 or whatever the number was. And he goes in there, starts looking at switches, and he's raising the deck lid, and he's looking at this, and he's looking at that. And he's, I mean, he's all over this thing. <laughs> Can I find it? He said, I don't think it's on this car. I reached in there at the radio box, and the spoiler goes, yeah. That would have been yeah. so good. I would be, Where did you have people in, so I would be, <laughs> I'd be <laughs> my pants if I was you because. I was, I was the whole time. You go I track and you're like. Oh God, yeah. I just knew they were going to catch us. I right. was, I mean, I was, I guarantee I looked so guilty. I couldn't stand it. They were all over that thing. I'm like, good Lord. And we get, we get ready to qualify. Rolls out there. Gary Nelson is checking the spoiler angle. The, the head, first day on the job. The head of director. He is supposed to be stopping yeah. all cheating. He is doing it himself. Instead of having somebody, he's at the, the – right before you go on the track, he's the one putting it on your car. So I had it up a degree or so just so I didn't have to mess Safety. with it. yeah. Well, he says, knock it down. I said, no, nah, it's good. I almost run. He said, no. He said, knock it down. I'm like, oh, God. My heart's going – you can see it beating through my shirt. I guarantee you. So I'm trying to get it to go. It won't move, man. This. It won't move. No. <laughs> it won't bend. I mean, I've got linkages and everything. Finally, it goes down a tenth or something. And he finally says, go. And I was like, oh, whew. So he takes off. And at the end of pit road at Daytona, it's right close to the track. And I'm standing there with my stopwatch. I'm going to clock Harry when he comes by. And, you know, Gary's standing right there in front of me checking the next guy's spoiler. I look at that car coming by, and I think, and I'm like, God. <laughs> Visually. Oh, yeah. It oh. was flat. Oh. And Gary didn't even look over there. Oh, <laughs> he had seen. I mean, it was. It was obvious. Yes. <laughs> Damn. So after that, I said, Guess, oh, I got, we got to get that dick lid off the car. I can't stand it anymore. I just can't. This do is it. no way to live. Uh-uh. So we put, back then, they used to let you put the cars in the hauler. And so we had another deck lid, and I had them get in there and chop in wire and put the stock deck lid on it. That way I could breathe for you know, speed. Yeah. I couldn't do it for two weeks. Right, you only yeah. did it for qualifying. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And you know what was bad? We qualified third. Yeah. Uh, I found out years later, uh, Junior's cars were on the front row. They were cheating more than we were. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, It wasn't right? a legal car uh, in, the, in, the, in the lineup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I think it's a, it's somewhat of a coincidence that I find that from Ray Everham because who, yeah, I who do we have I don't know that I even told him. How did he know that? We, <laughs> well, that, that's something you got to sort out. You know, Mike, whether I've been in the garage, right, as a driver or in the studio as a member of the media, the biggest lesson I've learned over the years is that we are all better off with an ally, a friend, a partner. My favorite part of the download has always been the opportunity it gives me to connect with such a wide range of people. They love racing as much as I do, and it means so much to me that when we leave the guest segment, I leave it with a feeling that I can call each and every guest on the download a true ally. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the show and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. Dale, I got a surprise for oh, you. Oh, Jesus. Is it your birthday? He loves surprises so much. He's always doing some <laughs> You know about this? I knew he was going to do something. Okay. I wouldn't oh. be as worried about it as you think you should be. Oh, it's a person. 
What in the world? Little champ. Little champ. Jiffy. Wow, we got. What is this? <laughs> how you doing? I'm great. How about you? Doing good. I think I should flip this over, right, Dean? Yep. Deck lids aren't supposed to have wires in them. Yeah. Oh, boy, look at there. Oh, I see That's what you're doing That's the deck lid. Here. That's the Harry Gant deck lid. Correct. Put on those headphones. Well, Thank you, sir. Well, this is a, we're totally surprised by this, and we've had somebody come. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us, <laughs> tell us who you are and what you brought? <laughs> yeah. So back when you had Andy on, my name got used in vain about the deck. <laughs> oh, did it? Andy lid. Petrie, when he was on, right. Yeah, yeah, right. So he used my name in vain. And so Andy and I... I basically was locked in a room at Skull Bandit Racing at Leo Jackson Motorsports for about a month building deck lids. Yeah. What's your name? Dean Jones. Dean Jones. Yep. I remember him telling us about you. And so he put you back in a room and said, come up with something. No. Nope. How it, how it started was, that, you know, Andy got part of the story right about the test. We went to test at Daytona, came back, and we, the, the motors, he said the motors were not like they you know, should be. And so he said... We started brainstorming. It was on a Monday morning when they got back from the test. I can remember it well because it was rainy out. And um, so uh, he says, I want to be able to drop this car down and put air to the shocks and be able to make the shocks go up and down. That's how we're going to get faster. That's what we're going to do. And, I, you know, I was a shop foreman there, and I said, Andy, that's just way too much work. <laughs> Hiding all the air lines through the roll bars and all that stuff is just like that's not easy. Mm-hmm. So I had, an, I had this idea about the, 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 the uh, actuator to be able to move the spoilers up, blades up and down. And so um, uh, I said, your wife, Sherry, Andy's first wife, Sherry, I said, she's got one on her Delta 88 because she had a French, you know, a manufacturer's car at the time that she was driving through Oldsmobile because we had the Oldsmobile deal. And so uh, he, you know, there's no cell phones. And he calls home and leaves a message because Sherry's at the grocery store on a Monday morning and it's raining outside. I said, so he calls her. She gets home and comes to the shop. He tells her to come to the shop. So we pull uh, uh, Sherry's Oldsmobile Dead 88 in the body shop and we dismantle the deck lid to pull the actuator down out of the, the trunk that when you set the deck lids down, the actuator pulls the trunks yes. down and, and latches them, mm-hmm. right? So, like... Andy's flipping out about that. And I said, this is what we need. This is what we got to have. So we ended up calling um, a local Chevrolet dealership. Anton Chevrolet was in Canton, North Carolina. The uh, guy named Ted was the parts manager. I said, I need, I need two um, actuators for, I don't care what it's off of, this actuator, it's a Delta 80, it'd be fine. He was, they were a Chevrolet Oldsmobile dealership. So we get that. And so then the, you know, the wheels start turning about how are we going to make this thing work? So, um, so the first thing we do is we, we get a deck lid back in this back room, and we, this back room has got one, two keys. I've got a key, Andy's got a key. None of the other guys <laughs> in the shop can get in this. And this, this, this is the area where we did the Bondo work on the cars, and then we move it over one stall to, uh, to the paint, paint area. Uh, and so uh, this is 1992. We've already won the four races in a row with the, what I call the X1 car, the special, you know, that car's more, more, it's more special than just the Camber Durand. Everybody thinks it's, yeah. there's a lot more to that car than that. So we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're brainstorming how we're going to make this happen. So the first thing is we, the blades. So because of the way this thing is built, you know, the, the long spoiler went down the center of the car back then. So you can make, you had two blades. So you got to make both of them. You got to make both of them move. work, yep. Bo- both of them move. 
So we, we, we end up building blades with flaps and we uh, cut slots in the back of the deck lid and we're sliding it inside to the trunk, right? And we're going to figure out the mechanism. And Andy, where he came in really, he, he, he figured out the, the um, quarter inch Himes joints and rods to be able to hook it to the actuator. And like he said in the interview with you, he had to make a stop on it because the actuator was moved too much, right? And so we, uh, we're figuring all that out and uh, we end up uh, have to mill areas in the, each blade for a piano hinge that we're going to pop rivet to the to face of the blade. They're, they're in there, right? Because the, the blades are actually attached to the top of the deck lid, not the back of the deck lid, right? Mm. So, so we, we figure all that out. We get the actuators going in there. And uh, so the, the next big challenge for us was the back of the spoiler because what do you do? Because the back of the spoiler, you're actually welding it to the, to the blades and then bolting it to the deck lid. Mm -hmm. So... So it, you know, Andy's he's 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 sweating it a lot. We're we're gonna get we're gonna get busted with this thing. It's a I big said, deal. And I said, Andy, I, I kept telling him, kept reassuring. Him, they're just not that smart, Andy. I'm telling <laughs> you, they're just not that smart. I know. Yeah. Be before I worked for Skull, I worked for Dave Marcus. I spent six years at Dave Marcus's from '82 until '88, and then '88 to '94 when Harry retired, I worked at Skull Bandit. And so. Um, we get this, we, I mean, we get the thing all built and we're, we've figured out the wiring. You can see the wiring hanging out of it. And so we got our hinges hidden, hidden on the car back then because it's a Speedway car. This car that came off of was the same car that Phil won the uh, Talladega race in 88. Yeah. And that's the same car. Same, so when those cars were the crown skull cars, they were black and white without the decals on. And so they gave them uh, whale names. Shamu and Orca. We, th those were the cars that we got when Leo got the Skull Bandit team. We inherited those cars. Okay. Right? So our very first car that we built there was a car we named ALF. And that was the car that won the first race at Darlington in 1989, the, the Trans-South 500. And that was where Harry threw the monkey off his back. And, you know, he got, he right. got back in winter circle, you know, our fifth race as a team. But we, we had such a, an innovative group there. I mean, Charlie Presley was there, and he'd ran a whole lot of short track stuff with, with Bob, and he'd worked for Morgan Shepard. We had a guy, Scott Romanette, that had worked, and, he, and you know, he came over, and he was down in Denver. Um, we, you know, there were just other people that just came on. But Leo, is, you know, Leo, does, Leo Jackson does not give enough credit for how wise he is and how genius like he is you know there's other things about our other cars i could to, to tell you about so the big thing at, at the end of this thing was how are we gonna how are we going to figure out this back plate to make it look like the these back plates are attached to to the to the front blades mm -hmm. and so i said that's no problem andy i will use a silicone gun and i'll stitch this silicone beads on here just like a weld it's like a weld and you can feel it right now it's rubber and so the blade can move back and up and down but there's three hinges on each one of these that are pop riveted to here pop riveted proper pop riveted to the blade and so how do you hide those because bondo doesn't stick to aluminum okay so i would i took first of all jb weld and put jb weld over those to be able to because it would stick to aluminum jb weld would and mm -hmm. then i bonded the bondo would stick to the wow. jb weld right to get that to get it so you can't see you it can't see it so in the process, we actually started out with one, one, one deck lid, and we had the slots cut, cut in it, ready to put the blades in it. And, I, you know, I mentioned to Matt about uh, 
Buster Otten, you just show up at your shop sometimes and say, okay, boys, this is what we're doing new this year, right? So at that time, the year before that, you were able to slide your spoiler around the radius on the deck lid, and the number was like 22 inches. Well, we were building that first deck lid at the 22-inch number. Bust, Buster Otten shows up and says, well, the new number is now 21. you got to come up. So we got to come up. So that first deck lid, scrap. Out. Yeah. Out. So we got we to start all over again. Dang. So we get that all put in there, but the, the best thing and the best time of all of this was Andy and I are locked in the room the very first time that we run it. We hook a battery up to it. We hook the wires up to it. <laughs> and and we're, we're sitting down. We got it on a, a trash can or sawhorses or something. You know, we got it. And, and we hook it up and it goes, click, click. We look at each other and we just horse laughed ourselves right down to the floor. I mean, it was, we, we knew we had it. We had yeah. something right here, right? We, we really had something. How many degrees did it move? Uh, 15. If you look at this one right here, uh, I, I ran this thing, I don't know, a couple years ago, but it looks like one of the actuators is not working. So this, the blade on the left-hand side is down and the one on the right, oh. right side right now. That's how wow. far it would go down. And the thing, with the, whole, the whole purpose of this thing was Leo Jackson wanted to win a pole at Daytona. He wanted to win a pole, and, and he, I mean, he's a very proud guy about his horsepower. And so the, the Skull Bandit engine department, before the race team actually came there, was already in place. Leo was already building engines for Benny Parsons in the 55 Copenhagen car and and Richard his brother was building Phil's stuff for him and so there was two and those cars were still getting prepared down in Denver and you know we started up uh, Johnny Hayes allowed us to um, start the team up with Leo there at, at, at Airport Road in Asheville North Carolina but we most of the guys that worked there were from around there and they were lived there and mm -hmm. I mean, racers from that area, you know, Kerry Botenheimer's, we, we hired a couple of guys that had worked for Kerry in the past. Jimmy Penland was there and he's still involved with NASCAR. Um, Dwayne Felkel was another guy we hired that worked at Kerry's and he, he was just great. And he passed away recently. He was working at Penske, he had an yeah. accident on the road and he passed away. It was a big deal when that happened. But um, we, there was guys that just came in. We had a guy named Mark Parks that showed up. He just he wanted to be part of the team. He worked for Snap-on in, in, in Elizabethton, Tennessee, at their plant there. And he wanted to be a part of this team, you know. And so we hired him. He could. Did he, you go to the track when the spoiler went to the track? Yep. And so my job when the when the car goes to the track, I'm the only one to touch the deck lid, because when you go to the racetrack in, in Daytona, the first thing you do, you're up on Jackson's. You got to pull the fuel cells out. They want to check them fuel cells, right? So if a NASCAR official starts to hinge that thing and feels the weight of it, it's all over right then. You could tell. Oh, this is heavy. It's heavy with those actuators and the gotcha. stuff that's in it yeah. and the bondo that's on it. Yeah. It's just heavy. So so I had to touch – I mean, I had to – I was the only one to touch it. So one of the things that Andy didn't tell you about that day with the deck lid and, and Gary Nelson the first day on the job was we did get busted. We got busted. And so Leo – uh, created these things we called them fuzzballs. They were a copper ball cupped out, and they went between the jack uh, screw plate and the so it could basically compress. Yeah, the frame and, of the car. Yeah, and so so no, just the, the plate and the spring. Okay, and so um, we put those on there, and I'm all the time I'm telling Andy, why do we need those things? We just need to know how long we need to have the spoiler down 
to run fast enough to win the pole because if we run the spoiler all the way down along the racetrack we're we're, we're going to be a second and a half faster than yeah. anybody here. And then you <laughs> then you are they're going to be all over it then right so so he, he's bound and determined he's going to run the, the fuzzballs and it falls under the the, the category of uh we'll do this and if they catch that we'll be okay with them catching that oh ah, yeah yeah that you know there's that mindset right so we have the fuzzballs on there and we're too low when we come back through for inspection because they're it's with gary nelson in place this is the first time they're checking heights after you qualify yeah right and so we're low and so they're over there off in the corner and they're gary's examining how did they get this car low you know the whole yeah. thing with the shock thing that we we threw that out the window that first day there's about four or five of us around there brainstorming how are we going to go faster with you know and, and the engines got better anyway but uh, that we our engines weren't off long if we were off we were not off long they would figure it out mm -hmm. and we'd get we'd get better so I, I i just remember that the day gary's over there with andy and he's they're sitting on two tires because the tires off the cars and they're sitting on the two tires and, and they're in the wheel well looking there trying to figure out how why is that car low right and they then he finally sees the copper things that are smashed Smashed. Flat. yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah I, and I honestly i can't tell you if 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 andy got fined or i don't know we we qualified fourth fastest mm -hmm. so so i mean that, that the whole day there was was kind of fun for me um <clears throat> and, until after we qualified and after they found the fuzzballs, what we call the fuzzballs flattened out, we got to put the cars back in the trailers because that was an error when we could put the cars in. So Andy, was, Andy said there's one deck lid, there's two. The Bud Shootout car or the Bush Clash car had a, a power spoiler on it. He's mm -hmm. got it. This is the one off the actual 500, yeah, okay. the 500 car. So we built two more. I had to build two more stock deck lids because if we did get caught, we had to have, mm -hmm. we had to have backups. So after that fiasco was, was over with Gary Nelson and the fuzzballs. We, Hoss Berry was our truck driver and he's the best truck driver in NASCAR, in my opinion. He drives for NASCAR now. Anyway, he's, he's, we get the cars in there and I'm up there, the only one. Swapping it. Swapping them. Yeah. And it, it happened to just be a Sunday that we qualified on Sundays back then. Sunday afternoon, it's 85 degrees and that taller and I'm up there sweating. I bet. And I'm the only, I'm the littlest guy there. Fit. I can't, the only guy that can fit. So we change them out and he says, we got to get them off there. We got to get them off there. I, I can't take it no more. I can't take more. He didn't even want them on the cars in the haulers. No, after after yeah, he got busted with the fuzzballs, yeah. got, we, we where did you put the where did you put them up in the cab? The the, the other deck lids. Yeah, the ones oh, you took off. We, the power deck lids. You oh yeah, stick yeah, them yeah. in the cab of the truck or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I mean so that's nobody, why well, that's why I'm able to bring this to yeah. you. As soon as when you interviewed Andy and you said I want to have that stuff to him in that interview, I said I got I got to call I got to get a hold of Matt Dillner. Yeah, <laughs> I got to get him. You, you got it. You got the one. I got the one. Yeah. And Andy's got one, too. And so Andy, um, you know, he cut his apart. And uh, I would occasionally go out and see Andy after I left the NASCAR world. He'd have me. I have a graphics business, and so we would do stuff for him. And um, and so uh, uh, he cut his apart. When Jerry Punch was instrumental in getting Andy his job with ESPN, right, I think he cut his apart. To show the executives from ESPN, yeah. oh, here's the deck lid. The you know? Because well, the, the, the deck lids were a thing. I mean, Ray knew yeah. about, Ray knew about it because we were so close to Ray. I had known Ray from IROC days because when I worked for Dave Marcus, Dave would test IROC cars. And before there was any testing limitations, we would test Dave's cars with the IROC cars at Daytona and Talladega mm -hmm. when they were tested. Yeah. So that, I, just, I just got to know Ray pretty well. But um, 
You know, just Andy and Ray were really, really close at the racetrack every week. So what do you do, Dean? You just go around showing off this piece of art? This thing this is, is like, no, like, like you're no, an art, art exhibit that no, you go around? No, no, I don't. No. You know, people have, I, I've mentioned this to people, and they say it needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I said, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I mean, I know Winston Kelly, you yeah. know, and so pick up the phone, call Winston. Hey, Winston, you know, can we do this? I, I, it's not my point. I'd rather Andy do that, right? Yeah. Right, I, I'd rather, right. but it's it's been in a it's been a loft in my at my building at my home ever since 1992. Yeah. It's a cool piece for sure. Yeah, really but nice. I wanted you to have it. Oh, we're gonna keep it. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, oh man, you said you wanted it. We'll hang it up in here. Yes, yeah. we'll, we'll hang it up, but it's yours. We're not taking yeah. it. Listen, there's things in here that don't belong to us, but we'll proudly display it, yeah. but give you all the credit. Yeah, I, for sure. It. I had after that interview, I had people texting me like, I can't believe Andy mentioned your name about that. Yeah. yeah it's, well, we'll gladly showcase it in here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, it's like the greatest example of, of uh, ingenuity and creativity. Yeah. I, I think because it didn't get, it didn't get confiscated. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> right. Because right. it didn't get, it there, didn't, there NASCAR be, doesn't have it. There may, there, there may be other inge, uh, ingenuity examples, but they all got busted, right? You, you got this one because of your fuzzballs. <laughs> you, got, you got this one, uh, this one clear. Yeah. It, the attention. But I, Andy was really sweating. And I, and I I must have told him 25 to 50 times, Andy, we're not going to get caught with this. They're not that smart. I, that's just what I would say. Yeah, but don't you know that <laughs> there's a lot of people that have said that that also got caught? I mean, don't well, you think that? Well, I, well I, I know that Travis Carter with Jim, Jimmy um, Spencer was driving the, the car for him. They tried something like that with springs on the, on the blade somehow, yeah. and they got caught. They got caught at Daytona. I mean, well, yeah, but they they won the race, right? They, are you talking Talladega. about the, no, 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 no? That they was, they won both of them. That was a different car. Different no. car. No, so that was a different oh, yeah. time that Jimmy okay. cheated. <laughs> but tra Travis Carter's the nerve of that guy, right? I mean, come on. You know, Travis is very innovative too. I mean, he's been around the he's been around the block a few yeah. times, and he's just great. We just we just had a really that when we when I look at that era. Because I walked away from racing when Harry retired on a on a on a team basis, right? And I look at the people that we had there in that era, and I say, man, we had some of the best innovations. And so the lugs that were are in the steering arms and the and the and the drag links and yes. that to change the bump steer yep. that that was a Leo Jackson idea. Really? Yeah. yeah. I remember Alan Quickie. I didn't go to the racetrack a lot. But I remember the times I did go to the racetrack. Alan Quickie was always – when we were running really good in 91, Alan Quickie was all over that car. Yeah. yeah. So with, I remember the, I remember bumping a car and using the bump steer gauge that had the, the tie rod ends that were clamps so you could just clamp where you wanted the piece. Uh, you would clamp onto the drag link wherever you, you – know, wherever you got your bump number, then you would take the drag link off and drill where the clamp set, located the hole, right? So you'd have to weld up the original hole on the drag link, steel drag link, and then you'd drill where the clamp was, and now you have your bump steer the way it is. And so they said, you know what would be easier is to actually have slugs with different holes yep. positioned. So you could just change it out instead of welding and drilling and all that. Well, we started, you know, um, we started building our own front sections, which Banjo Matthews really was really upset about that when we – because – we, you know, his rear steer car. So we, we um, Terry Satchel, who was a, an engineer that had worked at Penske's, and he was kind of, he'd been at Chevrolet, he'd been at Ford and whatever, he was helping us with something. So we, we got the opportunity to take our cars to the Detroit Shaker. And this is a rear steer car. And the weakest part of those cars was the strut rods and the flat area in the strut rods where it went into the lower A-arm, mm -hmm. right? And so this is Leo Jackson innovation right now. So 
we ended up he's ended up machining his own strut rods for this thing and we put a sleeve in the lower a arm to slide the this i don't remember what number the steel was what, yeah. what hardness the steel was so it had a monoball out on the front uh, front section and then it had this sleeve in there with a big nut on the back side of it right and you would you you were able to shim it also it. To, to get the lower a arms in the right positions mm -hmm. and so um that was all about that time we started building our front section we made a front steer strut rod car damn yeah 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 pretty so, impressive yeah yeah well man we appreciate you coming man, That's some good stuff i'm glad to be here yeah. i'm glad to hang out a little bit yeah thanks it's, for the uh thanks for the deck lid we're going to be proudly displaying that on our show what else you got there so this is the car that ken schrader mm -hmm. ran for andy petrie in 1997 this is the first year that it, it changed from the bud the bush clash to the bud shootout okay and so i had done some graphic work i have a graphics business and so uh, brian buckauer was like the motorsports representative for u.s tobacco at that time and i said he asked me if i'd design a car for for the this for straight for schrader for running this so this car was supposed to run only in the bud shootout the very first bud shootout with kenny schrader driving the car and Kenny wrecked the primary car in the 125, so he had to run this with a broken sternum. He broke his sternum in that wreck in the, in the 125s, drove this car in the 500. Mm. So I think they ran this car at Talladega nice. also. So I just kind of proud because I, I got to design it. And one of the things you know about designing cars, I know I follow you, yeah. how you like to design your own. So convincing them to change the door number to a different color so you could read the word skull better and put yeah. the shadow on the skull like that. Uh -huh. I, I I don't know how I was able to convince Brian Buckauer that, but he was able to hire. He was able to influence the people above him to say, "Hey, yeah, it it, it does make a difference." Yeah, little things, man. Yep. Well, we appreciate you, bud. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Good surprise, it. Matthew. Oh, we've been talking about this ever since the Andy interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, have you? Then. Oh, oh yeah. We've been, we've been back and forth texting each other ever, ever since then. All right, everybody, it's time for Ask Junior here uh, on the Dale Junior Download. We are uh, thankful for Xfinity for supporting this part of our show. They've been a great partner of ours on the podcast for a long time and doing so many great things in the sport, and I am a customer as well at one of my houses. So uh, they uh, are it's secure. It is always online. I never have any drops. And, um, yeah, and I've got multiple devices fired up to this thing and and everything works flawlessly so thank you xfinity uh let's get started hannah well this first one we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and get after it right off the jump here oh boy. um from ryan goodman he said dale you and amy are going out on a date night who do you trust more with your children matthew or mike <laughs> matthew or mike mm. who do i trust with my children yes you're going oh on a date. This is so like, you call we all know the answer. You got to call up the babysitter, and your options of babysitting are Mike or Matthew. Yeah. Well, I'd have to say Mike, and only because <laughs> I've he's I've seen him around my kids, so I I know what they would. Um, he's I've seen him around them. I haven't I haven't experienced, uh, you a know goof. what babysitter Matthew would be, um, but I'm sure he would. They would be fine, but they would be by the time I picked them up, they'd be full of Whataburger cheeseburgers and. <laughs> And just coming back from ice. Bowman Gray. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Where they learn to flip off the competition right. every time they drive. They would have yeah, they would have ice cream and cotton candy all over their face <laughs> and clothes. <laughs> and steak biscuits. <laughs> Matthew's the Funkle. I, yeah. That's what my nieces call me, the yeah. Funkle. There the you funkle. go. I believe that. Yeah. 
All right. This one comes from Ryan Johnson. He says, it's almost time for you to get back in the booth. What are your favorite and least favorite track broadcast booths to call races from? That's tough to say because I don't really remember. Um, I don't remember exactly what each booth is like until I go back up there and I'm like, oh, yeah, this place. <laughs> I remember. This place sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Talladega used to be the worst one, but they got a new one now. Um but um, it used to be tight and small and old. Um, I know you had struggle with Pocono the one time. Pocono. Um, I remember you saying that. The Pocono booth's okay. okay. We kind of use a room right next to the suites. Um, it, I f- almost tripped down the stairs because you're right. Pocono sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, the Pocono booth's kind of tough. But um, I almost blew my knee out one time in that booth trying to get around. So the it's so cramped in there where we had this real little alley of stairs, small little narrow alley of stairs, but there's also lights that are tripods and stuff that are on those stairs, and you got to kind of weave your way down. And I s- stepped wrong, and pop, I heard my, I, my knee hurt for like a couple weeks because mm. it was like I twisted something in there. Goodness. But uh, it was close. There's just, you know – there's some booths that are just older than others, but it doesn't really bother you. Uh, the size, some of them are way too big. They'll, you know, some there's some suites that are just gigantic, um, but they're all they're all fun. I don't really have I I don't know which one's the best. I mean, the newer ones. I think it's kind of really the track you're at. You're like, hey man, I love this track. I'm I'm not I'm more happy to be there because of the the location. Or the or the race I'm about to see, and um, the Charlotte booths kind of tight. Like I said, man, they're all kind of the, the Charlotte booths tight as far as like height, mm. as low ceilings, and um, some of them will freeze you out, and some of them don't have any air conditioning at all. Uh, they're all just there's all types of booths out there. Freezing out and and being too hot, that that would put them at the bottom of the list right there. You gotta have yeah. the temperature control. Or <laughs> we, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Can we get temperature control back here? Yeah. Oh, this food sucks. It's hotter so cold, cold sucks every week. There you go. That's kind of what it's like. So the booth, for some reason, whatever's happening, uh, in in it's the, the in lights. The larger, they have so many lights that produce heat in the in your guys's booth that they have to crank the AC. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll just. Sweat. Yeah. What's the excuse in there, though? I wonder. Is it just because there's a vent? I don't know. I think I there's, know a, I think there's the, two vents. I think there's two vents, and it's over. It's too much circulation in there. Too much coming in there. Too much cold air coming in there. You don't. You need to just seal off one of those vents. I feel like a goon when I walk out of my house at eight o'clock in the morning on a summer day, and I've got jeans and a sweatshirt. You're like to you're come back, to the recording. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, man, did I bring my hoodie? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna need that. I have a I have a dirty mo hoodie in my truck specifically to record on Tuesday morning. I got you. Maybe that's what we're doing. We're freezing it's, you out so you wear the brand. Yeah, yeah. it's you're, it's working. It's working. Um, this next one comes from Jeremy the Bottle Rocket. He said, "You get to take one vehicle, any vehicle or race car in history, up the Goodwood Hill climb. What car are you slinging up the hill?" Man, um, that's very specific. Yeah, I guess I'd take the Nova. I don't know. You know, I don't. Let it rip. That is the one I'm probably most proud of in terms of old cars that I own or have collected. So I'd probably take the Nova up there. It's, I think it's been up the hill once already, in it when it, it's in its previous life when it was uh, before we restored it. Hmm. It had all the stickers and decals all over it from Goodwood. Oh wow! Yeah. And this last one here comes from Jared. 
He said, do you have any tracks that are still on your bucket list that you just somehow haven't been able to make it to? North Westboro. You mean like to drive on? Sure. Or visit yeah. as a spectator? I, uh, well, I want to go to um, Knoxville. Haven't never been to a race there. You got to go for nationals. Sure. So um, I want to go to Knoxville and um, want to go to Chili Bowl. Um, so there's a couple there. Uh, I want to go to all the things that are going to happen at North Wilsboro in the future. So that's a pretty decent list. And we actually do have one more. And this one comes from Sly Job. He says, has Dale Jr. ever been to Oswego? And would he ever be interested in taking some laps in a super modified? Yeah, I went up there for an autograph session one time, I think. I feel like I've been to that racetrack. Really? But um, cool. I would not want to to race some modified around there. They fly. Um, Mike, have you never seen this place? It's, it's flat. Super fast, boilerplate walls all the way around. Yeah, uh, I got the book of of the history of the classic and and um, just some incredible stories in there. It's how we it's how I learned about uh, Bentley Warren and and Nolan Swift and all those guys. And they 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 just reading that book, man. They they jumped off the pages, became heroes uh, of mine, and uh, pretty incredible historic racetrack. I've tried to get them to let iRacing come scan. But they um, are not sure what that means. They don't know what iRacing is, I guess. So we got to get Oswego to, to Come jump on, on board. Oswego. I, I was going to say, I've only been there when it's dirt. Oh, yeah. Because I go for Oof. Super Dirt Week, and I'm going for good old eight days at Oswego this year. But I've never been when it's pavement, so yeah. that would be cool. Wow. They put dirt on it every year. Yeah, yeah in October for eight days. Like, insane. Eight days of racing at Oswego Dirt. The footage of our Rundle episode of Lost Speedways has Bentley Warren and, and, and other drivers racing around Oswego, and it is absolutely stupid. They're crazy. Oh, God. Yeah. Those super modified guys, just, just in stupid. general, have a different level of respect of mine because it is like drag cars that turn yeah. left. Like, it is <laughs> so wild. Stupid. It's yeah. truly run what you brung yeah. to the extreme. And um, it's I don't know of any other series like that in the world where basically you can just build whatever you want. And put as much downforce on it as you want, the biggest motor you want, and good luck. There's really been a resurgence, too, of Super Modifieds up recently. Like, the Star Classic was really good this last year. But that's it. That's all we have for Ask Junior this week. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Great questions, man. Y'all got me wanting to go to some racetracks. And, um, yeah, so let's, let's take a road trip. Thank you, Xfinity, for everything you do for us here at Dale Jr. Download and also for everything you do at NASCAR. Um, their Xfinity X5, it's more than fast, man. It's reliable and secure. Um, everybody gets to do all the things they love on all of their devices with Xfinity X5. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for asking your questions. Remember to keep them coming at, at Xfinity Racing on Twitter. And thank you, Xfinity. They continue to give us the Wi-Fi coverage that all of our devices need. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. All right, man, that was pretty good. Great hearing all those stories about innovation and outright cheating. Some of it's just outright cheating, Mike, let's be honest. Yeah. But there's some innovation, creativity. Every race car that is on a racetrack today has some innovation and creativity built into it. There you go. It might not be illegal, but they are absolutely um, jumping through some hoops in that rule book. Well, if you don't have innovation, then what do you need engineers for, right? I mean, isn't that what their job is, to basically come up with some – some you know ingenuity and and put it in a race car to give yourself an advantage that's what we have i can tell you if you build a bone stock car by reading the rule book you will run last <laughs> <laughs> yes i have done that we built a street stock car we never went to the racetrack 
All right, this is how stupid we were. We're going to build a street stock car and race it at Concord. And we never went to the racetrack to look at the races and the cars that were running there. We literally bought it, got a rule book, and built the car by the rule book. And yeah. when we showed up, we were thinking, what in the hell? And we got our butts kicked. <laughs> and we- that's when you realize that having that conscience and being able to look at yourself in the mirror really ain't all it's cracked up to be. You'd yeah. rather actually run better. <laughs> yeah, we went to work. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, thanks, everybody. And, uh, yeah, good show. All right. Have a good week. We'll see you. Here's another question to think about. What is fair play? Do you think that's fair? What do you think? Well, fair play. Fair play. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.